Hey, welcome to the Cool Kids Table Podcast. I hope wherever you're at listening to this, I hope you're having a good day, good night, good evening. You know, hope you're having a good day, man. Some days are rough, so hopefully you're having a good one today. Uh, before we dive into the episode, there's a few things I want to talk about. Uh, thank you to everybody, you know, continuous support, sharing, and all that good stuff. Uh, great news. We're up to 10 states now. Um, all the West Coast, it's all pretty much listeners have uh, up and down the coast, uh, Washington, Oregon, obviously California. But now we got some in New Mexico and um, Arizona and uh, what's the other one? Nevada, Nevada. So that's pretty cool. We got a few people listening on the East Coast. And, you know, those people, I don't really know who you are. So, you know, if you're following me on any of the social medias, you know, tag me, reach out to me so I can give you a shout out. That's fucking crazy. People I don't know are starting to listen, so that's that's pretty rad. Also, I got people across the pond, as they say, people in um, England and people in Germany and Switzerland listening in. So that's pretty cool. I would have never, ever, in ever thought that we'd have listeners across, you know, different countries. And so that being said, you know, I got to do a couple shout-outs to the people that did reach out and said, hey, you know, I can't do it all the time, but, you know, I will. Because, you know, you guys are awesome. Continue sharing. Uh, Dr. Pepper in Colorado, man. I told you I'd do it. So here you go. And then to my boy, um, there's a saying in Spanish, lo, lo prometidos deuda. So Manuel Perez, my boy, Meño, a.k.a. Mexico from the 06 baseball team. Un abrazo y un saludo, carnal. I miss you. I hope you're well. Espero que estés bien, cabrón. Te dije que te lo iba a hacer y ahí te va. Um, ojalá lo oigas y... Te guste, pero te miro pronto. Uh, arriba los charros, güey, tú ya sabes. Um, going back, you know, people have reached out on social media, so I appreciate it, you know. Like, if you reach out, I'll do what I can, retweet, reblog, re whatever. But I do need you guys, If I, you guys are amazing, amazing listeners. listeners. If you could do me a favor, if you have a Twitter account, just follow. I don't spam, I barely post on there, but it's fucking sad have like five followers on twitter it's twitter at the cool kids pod the big one i need help with dude i'd really need help with from you guys is if you have a youtube account go and listen to this episode on youtube because our youtube is fucking dead i have more videos posted than views like every video is under like nine views i think last time i checked it was like seven was the average which is terrible so i'm gonna be like oblivious on youtube so if you could do me a favor and listen to one of the episodes on youtube um it's the same as the other accounts except twitter so you'll be looking up the cool kids table podcast if you could leave a comment thumbs up it i mean it's just sad i didn't even check it till my boy simon para he left a comment and i was like oh, what the fuck that's the first comment so thank you simon you know he didn't point it out but i saw that once i was there like dude this is bad so you guys have been amazing. I know you guys listen on um, on the web player or Spotify, but one episode just so that doesn't look as sorry. Like when people show other people and they're looking at like three views, dude, nobody's listening to this shit. I appreciate it. So again, on Twitter, it's the Cool Kids Pod. On YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, you can find it under the Cool Kids Table Podcast. Okay, sorry for that rant. You know, just some things I got to throw out there just because YouTube looks terrible. At least my YouTube, I mean. 
Okay, well, jumping into this episode, this episode is my good friend, David Sanchez. Me and David, I think I met him his freshman year, and I'm a year older, so probably my sophomore year then. He's um, guest number five's younger brother, Philip Sanchez. He was there. He was a voice you heard in the background talking while we were um, doing the whole serial killer thing. He had those cool questions, you know, that we didn't jump into right away, but yeah. So, um, yeah, David is, by his explanations, a great golfer. I I golfed here and there when I was younger, and then I kind of stopped. I'm going to start again. But um, David, by his explanation, got really into it. I mean, this was pretty, pretty awesome to hear his story. I'm already looking forward to the next episode when we're going to talk about a few different subjects that he talks on here, but just we couldn't get into everything at once. But it's very entertaining he has a way with words, you know, he's like his brother. He has, he's soft-spoken, but he, they say a lot, you know, with few words. They, they speak very well. So it's a good episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording. Welcome to the Cool Kids Table Podcast. My guest today is David Sanchez. David, how are you doing today? Pretty good, man. So far, so good. We got some good beers and I'm enjoying every one of them. What do you think of them so far? Which one's been your favorite? I'm not a beer connoisseur, but I'd say like the bacon and eggs was probably the best one. I mean, each one was good in its own way. They're all different beers, but the taste of the the bacon and eggs was pretty solid. Well, David... You're an avid golfer, so why don't we start there? How did how did you start golfing? And just take it from there. You know, it's funny. Now it comes full circle. Because the only reason why I got into golf was seeing seeing my friends from high school play golf. No way. Which was you guys. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I seen you and, like, Ernie and Gato and Roy and, like, Ozzy and... You know, and I always seen it, and I was always like, ah, you know, I'd be down to go. But then I was like, ah, I haven't seen them in a while, so it's kind of like, I guess in a way awkward, or like you just you get comfortable. You know, life, life, life comes at you. And then I think you guys invited my brother once, and he went with you guys, and Ozzy, I think, let him borrow clubs, and we played, and he, well, he went, he enjoyed it. He's like, hey, you know, what? let's go. I think, I think you'd really enjoy it. I was like, all right, you know, yeah, you know, I had been interested as it was, like seeing them going and kind of like checking it out because I had always gone to the driving range, but driving range is totally different than actually playing. You know, there's more strategy. There's more like, yeah, you can hit a home run, but can you hit a home run right at the center field number? You know, yeah. like just get it over or get it like whatever or hit a hit a line drive in a gap. You know, where you're playing strategically to a point and it becomes a different game than just. Hitting balls and hitting balls and hitting balls into like just, I mean, even when I went, I mean, I would hit like a a sandwich on a tee, which is like stupid looking back at it. I mean, if you don't play golf, you'd probably think like, well, what do you mean? You know, like there's certain things that you hit off of a tee. There's certain things that you don't. You're gonna hit them off the floor because you're hitting them off the fairway. You know, and I mean, some stuff you do to you, but whatever. That's getting a little too deep into it too quick without like going at it. But anyways, going back to where we're at. So he played, he got me into it to play one time, 
And I think at that time I'm a I'm a left-handed hitter or swinger in in golf. I throw right-handed. So being that I'm lefty, we started playing, and I was playing righty because I mean, fuck, I didn't know they one they didn't have the availability of lefty clubs, and two I didn't have them on me, you know, and I had his clubs, so if I I just swing them around, you know, and I was somewhat a switch hitter. Never was like an official switch hitter where I'd really like go to a game and be like, oh, you know what, like Ozzy, you know, like Ozzy would, if he felt he had the advantage being right-handed or left-handed, he'd go that way and he'd do pretty good either way. I just never had the confidence. I felt like my stronger suit was being a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter. So, I mean, why not, you know, I'm going to play my, my biggest advantage versus the pitcher. But, yeah, so we played and, you know, from there... We then told my brother, like, hey, you should go check it out. And then he played, and he liked it. And then we told my dad, which my dad had played to hear, like, a long time ago, too. And sure enough, when we played, I think he was probably the best one. Like, he was Your hitting dad? it. Yeah. He was hitting it down the middle, you know, onto the green. Or, like, it was always straight. Like, not far, but straight. Until this day, like, he hasn't played maybe, like, in a year and a half. But if we went out, all of us, which we occasionally do, like... It'll be down the middle. And I think about it now after playing for so long and, like, getting better at it. It's, like, it's not easy. Like, it's a game of degrees, you know. Game of degrees in a lot of different angles, you know. You could mess up in different parts from, like, backswing to your follow-through, your hip movements, your, you know, your release of the golf club. If it's off just a little bit, you're going to start slicing or hooking or bad contact, you know, as it is, you know. Sometimes they tell you, like, Swing eighty percent, but as a baseball player, you know you're you're gonna drop bombs. You know that's yeah. you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna hit dingers like they say now. But yeah, but I mean, I think that's kind of what got me got me going into it to begin with. And like myself and my older brother, we started going like every week and started playing multiple times a week. And then I got into like fuck, I'm gonna start learning how to chip and play bunkers. You know, it doesn't cost me anything. You know, we would play at all the local small courses, like Rio Hondo, Rancho Duarte was the first one that we started at because I think he went with, Philip went with you guys to Rancho Duarte. So, like, going back to, like, I haven't been there in a while, but I always, like, would try to go back, like, a year after and kind of see how I do on certain holes. And it's funny because, like, you go back and, like, some of the holes are a joke. Like, (laughs) to, to a certain point, like, there's a par four that's, like, 200 yards where, like, in most courses, big boy courses, they're, they're going to be about 200 yards. And so I'll hit shots and I'll knock it next to the flag. Not every time because, of course, that's fucking impossible. I'm not a tour player at all. But you get those good shots. It's like, oh, shit. Like, like sometimes it comes easy and you think about, like, how could it be so hard? But then sometimes it's so fucking hard. It's like, how was it ever easy, you know? I think with a lot of stuff. But I've always been into, like, learning new stuff and kind of being somewhat obsessive of like a certain thing and like whether it's like music whether it's like because I, I play the guitar a lot um from like middle school going into like high school and my cousin she really got me into it uh and she's you know she goes around the world to go and play and stuff jackie mendez and uh so she showed me how to play the guitar and just, I mean, it was fun, you know, something to do, something to learn. You find your way to learn it. I mean, it wasn't like you're le- learning, like, music and in a band class. 
But it's like you can play the songs that you like, and you can, I, I don't know. I always kind of found that fun. That, I mean, art's another one, another hobby that was obsessive for a long time, like coming out of high school, like going in, like halfway into high school. Like I'd always done it when I was even young, but then like halfway into high school and then after high school, like college was all about that. Like I, I think like we were talking about earlier before we started was like going to school and like taking it serious. I didn't really take it too serious, you know, and I, I don't know if like most people were like that, but you know, like in high school I played, I, I did my school good enough to play baseball because fuck, I fucking love baseball. You know, like you imagine yourself as a, as a sandlot kid, you know, and shit, we did have the sandlot, you know, that was our sandlot, literally a sandlot. But yeah, I don't know, like obsessing over certain certain stuff like kind of got me better in that and out of high school you know i got a few like scholarships for like art to uh, art center college of design in pasadena so that whole route so that's always like a improving 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 the more you do it the more you improve the part that kind of fascinated me about golf was like the more you go doesn't mean the more you improve because it's fucking hard and even like playing, it's like you can't stop and then go back like two years later and think like, oh, I'm going to shoot the same score. You know, you could go play basketball with your buddies and like shoot a basketball and still do it okay, dribble the ball okay, or go play baseball, still get a hit, still field. But golf, I think like the nu- the nuances of of golf, golf itself gets kind of tough in like strategy and remembering courses, remembering shots, remember how to hit a shot, a lot of stuff that you would do as a beginner unconsciously like hit a slice where you hit it and just curve so far away from you unintentionally you know you're just not doing certain mechanic correct so you get you know so these things happen but you know when you start getting a little better you kind of learn how to like control that stuff and it's like oh well, i need to hit a slice here to get around this tree so then on purpose you do what unconsciously you're doing when you first started you know but i don't know that's that, that's like the the very very beginning of it to like a brief you know into the future on that well see because i started playing the same thing ozzy invited me just because we would go to the driving range just to, like you said just hit the fuck out of it and after a while i was like they have these little flags for a reason you know like maybe i should try it. i'm hitting it over the fence pretty easily maybe i should try for these um <laughs> for the flags and you know i didn't even have clubs or nothing just we would go you give them your ID, and they let you borrow a driver, so we would just drive. And I, I remember we started trying to like hit it towards the flags, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're trying. Which one are you trying to hit it to?" It'd be like that one. Be like, "Oh, you need this," and I'd be like, "What the fuck? You want something big? You know, you don't want to hit the little small yeah, club." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I started doing. And I don't know how Ozzy got a hold of me, but he told me, "Hey, you're going to the driving range or whatever." I was like, "Yeah." And so he told me, "Why don't you come with me?" And I was like, "I don't, dude. I've never been golfing. I, I've only done the driving range." He's like, "Dude, just come with me. I got an extra club, extra set of clubs." We'll have some fun. And I remember I did terrible. Like, you know, people say beginner's luck. Like, hopefully you don't have beginner's luck because, you know, I bring people all the time and they do fucking great. And I'm like, oh, man. And <laughs> I was hoping for that and it wasn't the case. I did terrible. And then he was just kept, he was very encouraging. Good friend. So he was like, dude, you're doing pretty good. Like, you're doing way better than what I did my first day. And he was, that day he was kicking ass and he was just like waiting for me. You know, I'm over here hitting like four or five shots a hole. And he's like, dude, you're doing great. And I'm like, dude, this is terrible. Like, this isn't fun. And then after the fact, I was like, dude, this was fun. I had a good time out here. We were out there. It was um, 
the one in Arcadia, the part three. Yeah. And we, I had a good ass time. I think we had his son with us too. And we we're just like, you know, shooting the shit. It had been like maybe a year or two since we hadn't seen each other. So we were catching up and it was fun. And so like messaged me like a week later, like, Hey man, that was really fun. Like we should go again sometime. And I was like, I'm down. He started sending me like links to eBay sets. I mean, to, for golf clubs on eBay, like buy this dude. There's like a fucking $800 set. It's on sale for four hundred. I'm like, dude, I, I've gone one time. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm ready you for see, this. But then, like, when you look at it, like after, like, if I'm looking at it, if and if I see somebody has the potential or like the want to, I mean, yeah, of course, the money's the money to drop. Like, am I gonna buy a PS4? No, no, because I'm not gonna play it, you know, or I don't know if I'm gonna play it. So why am I gonna spend it, you know? And like looking at it back at it now, and I mean, even now, like I talk to people or like people that are starting out, I'm like, dude, if you're really serious, like you got to spend a little bit of money. To save yourself a ton of money because the shit's expensive, you know, and like save a little money now to get a little better and you'll fit into it. Then buy like a beginner set for two, three hundred dollars and then toss everything and then go into it, you know, because everything is its own thing. And they say like in the industry, like there's no one manufacturer is going to make the perfect set, the perfect putter, the perfect wedges, the perfect irons, the perfect woods, the perfect driver. Everything's different. You know, so, like, that's one thing that's, like, popular now, even with the pros, like, not taking uh, sponsorships or, like, uh, equipment deals because they feel like, I mean, they're playing for a lot of money. They, they feel like, fuck, I can make more money if I play whatever I want, you know. They're giving me $100,000 this year, but if I have the potential of winning an extra 300000 you know, playing clubs that are going to be, you know, successful, then they'll just do that. So that's kind of what you see more nowadays so it's kind of nice you know then you kind of know as a consumer you know what to buy or what to look for because the pros aren't bullshitting and they're not like just gonna pick up a set of clubs or or like say oh you know i'm i'm nike you know just because they fucking pay me this is the best you know like because it's, it's not it's not always i mean some of the people they have like good people on the background making the clubs but at the same time it's like you got everybody saying their shit's the best it's it's never gonna happen I mean, hearing you, you know, you got really into it. I personally went to have a good time, you know. Like, we were buying 18 packs, filling up our bags with so much beer, dude. Like, it was a ridiculous amount of beer. Our golf bags were like our coolers. We'd have ice bags in there, ice bags. When that started getting, you know, like, dude, these things are heavy. We're carrying them around because most of these were part threes that we're playing. Oh, yeah. So they're small yeah, we're walking part around. You're just walking. And they're all, your bag's all wet. So we started taking <laughs> bottles of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> bottle of whiskey with a bag of ice just to like all right we're drinking it was more an excuse to like hang out and have a good time more than it was like competitive and i've shared this before i'm not very good like ernie gato they got better and i was kind of like blown away because we were on that same level you know me me him and um gato started playing like a lot and so did izzy after but ozzy kind of stopped you know at the time he had a you know his family already so we were still all single everybody no kids yet so we were going, you know, we had the freedom to go a lot more often. And out of nowhere, like, Ernie got really good. Gato got really good. That's and, not out of nowhere. Oh, dude. Yeah. You I stayed behind. I was like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> the reason why it's not out of nowhere is because you were playing once a week, but they had to be practicing Maybe. more often. They say they don't. They no, didn't. that's bullshit. I, I don't know. Yeah, and if they didn't, that's, like, straight up raw talent, and that's fucking, like, I applaud them. But it's it's a, it's a game that's so fucking hard to, like, get good at without practicing. Because it's not only like the muscle memory, but the right muscle memory, you know, and you don't learn that, you know, 
all of a sudden in between around, I found something when you don't know what the fuck you found, you know, you don't know if, I don't know, a certain release pattern or a certain backswing or a certain mental thought at that, you know, but I mean, you're not thinking about that stuff in the beginning. You're just trying to make contact, you know, you're yeah. just trying to at least have somewhat of a good time. We were playing for beer. And so then I noticed that's how we noticed, you know, be like, all right, well, I want today. So fucking they're buying me beer. And the next day you're like, you're paying back. And I was like, Hey, I'm paying for beer. Like, Almost every week now. What the fuck happened? So I started taking it a little bit more serious, you know, kind of like, all right, I got to practice my swing or whatever. So I'd be the one to show up a little earlier um, and do the whole, you know, driving range for a little bit. And they would say, dude, that throws me off because you're you're all up in your mind. You know, I just come in like, let's go. I'm ready. I don't need to practice. And that get me more like, fuck you guys. I need to practice to be ready. And we would compete. Like, don't get me wrong. We weren't great. But it was we were at that same skill level where it was entertaining, you know, like, all right, like, Losers buying lunch or whatever. You know, that simple yeah, shit, yeah, but yeah. just kind of kept it fun. And I don't know how we stopped playing. I mean, we all grew up or whatever, but we just, I, I haven't played personally. I've been asking them, you know, like, hey, man, like, we should go. I'm like, dude, I don't even know where my club's at. And I don't know, say <laughs> which ones, but I'm like, what the fuck? I still have my clubs. I haven't used them in like two, three years, probably longer now, but I have my clubs there. And I'm just like, I got to start doing it again. You know, I'm a little busy or whatever, but I'm like, dude, something I like doing. So I should go out there, even if it's not to be good. But just have a good time at the driving range, at, at, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, when I went to the driving range, I had a fun time. You know, I would go with cousins. I don't think I've ever really went with friends. It was usually just... I know, I'm not... I'm, I'm lying. I, I went with friends a couple times. But it was always, like, just... You're just fucking around. Like, especially when you have no clue what golf is. And you're just... You're a fucking baseball player. All you know is, like... Hit it far in a way, or like swing hard because that's that's the swing, you know. Here it's more technical. Like everybody's like miss is to not release the club as much because you learn in baseball to stay, you know, impact before releasing. Like if you're releasing, you're rolling over, and you're not gonna make give it really good power, you know. To where here it's like you're releasing it to the perfect spot to make like full impact. But anyways, like going like going back to it, I mean, I never took the driving range serious and until i played once then i was like ah okay i need to fucking i need to get close to that flag and it's fucking frustrating that i can't so then i mean my cousin she gave me like a rough little lesson which was like the only lesson that i got uh which is just like go backswing 90 degrees you know the club 90 degrees to your to your arms and then just go through and the same thing through so like that kind of simple motion kind of sparked the getting better and it's a fucking drug like a lot of i mean you get the golf bug you know like they say and i mean yeah i mean it's because it's something that you want and you see it and you finally get it you know it's kind of like gambling you know you gamble and then you lose 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 you lost 200 bucks you're still down thinking like fuck i only got 50 bucks and you went 500 bucks and you're like Fine, let's go let's lose another 300 and you're not thinking about it, you know but i mean you in a way you live for the highs you know the only thing is like as you get better you're just more consistent. You know, you have more quality shots more often to where before, I mean, and I, I've said it before, you know, a lot of people, even if they're not avid golfers, you can get a hell of a shot out of like, even if you don't know, you know, like you have like the athletic ability and the athletic idea of what needs to be done. And sometimes like I've seen people chip out that they hit it terrible all day, but then out of nowhere they chip out from some random spot that's a hard fucking shot that they don't understand how hard the shot is, but you hit the shot and it's the one that pays for your round, you know? The one you think about, the one that keeps you coming back. 
I know that feeling too well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and that's the thing. Like, sometimes you know, people get mad because they hit bad shots. I get mad because I hit bad shots. But then it's like, after that, it's like that bad shots out of my mind. How am I gonna make top ten Sports Center? I'm gonna curve around this tree. I mean, yeah, you probably end up with more shots, but especially in the beginning when you're learning, that's so fun. Like, fucking, you know, I'm gonna try to curve it around this tree and let it roll up to the green, you know, and. Sometimes you'd fail fucking terribly, and sometimes you'd you get really good at doing it, you know. And I've I've had that happen where, like, I can feel confident in in a terrible situation and like have somewhat of an idea how to play the shot. And then you go to the range. Now your range session is different. Now your range session is set to like, okay, I'm gonna hit shots to where in case I'm behind a tree, I need to hit something low and about a hundred yards. So now you see those flags, and you're not pinpointing those flags. You're trying to roll the ball as close as you can to just like stop on there you know or trying to curve it a certain way around or like or hit a good layup shot out of the trees like say like par five where you, par five you get it in five strokes um for those that aren't familiar you have five shots to call it an even an even hole you know what i mean and that's probably something we should have covered no, yeah, yeah, to yeah, begin yeah. with you know the the game of golf it has its own rules and i mean you have par threes par fours par fives you have some courses that are more local that are just par threes, like you mentioned earlier, Arcadia par three course. That's 18 holes of par threes. You have executive courses like uh, Rancho Duarte where they're not like full regulation size, uh, but it's nine holes where it's mixed with par threes and fours. So the par means how many shots on average you should get on that. Doesn't mean that's going to happen because if you do that, you're such a fucking great player to get it on every single hole, especially beginning. Yeah, right. Like, don't, you know, be realistic and optimistic, realistic in like what's going to happen and how much you've trained and then optimistic to if I train more, I can get better at this. You know, I mean, just like with anything, just like learning anything in life. I mean, that's what it is. You know, you can't you can't get down or like or even. If you're not one that's gone out and done the risk, like you can't judge somebody on them trying, you know, like, and that happens a lot, you know, where you see someone fail, it's like, ah, fucking loser, like, (laughs) I knew you were going to fail, you're too fucking dumb for it, but it's like, you shouldn't have that, you know, like, somebody's fucking trying, you know, and nobody that's ever done anything great has, like, been good at something, like, from the get-go, and like, I mean, if you are, you're a fucking genius, if you can do that at every, like, more power to you, and you're probably fucking lying, but if you are, like, wow, that's something special, but... I mean, yeah, it, it, it's tough, and I don't know. So, how how did your training go? Like, how much time would you spend practicing as far as playing? Was it like a one to one ratio, like one practice session to one playing session? I would try to play as much as I can, just because I enjoy playing. Like, I had been to the driving range, and and because when I went to play, it was so interesting. Then what I remembered going to driving ranges and. Like, my mentality of what I need to do or what I need to accomplish or what shots, you know. I didn't care because, like, I didn't really have the concept down. But it was always more plain because, I mean, a a bucket of balls that are pretty much anywhere large buckets, like 10 bucks on average. Some courses you can get on for 10 bucks. So why am I going to go practice when I can go play? You know, I can actually go play a game, you know. And it's it's a different scenario because... It's like baseball, basketball, like you need a group of friends versus a group of friends. Or at least like in basketball, one-on-one. But then if your friend's not available, then you're just going to sit on your ass or go and shoot hoops, which in that case is like a driving range. But 
I mean, it got to a point where, like, I knew people weren't going to go with me. So I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm here to do better for myself. You know, like, I enjoy playing, so I'm going to try to get as best as I can um, with, with, with the time that you have, respectively. I mean, you can't expect to be a tour player when you only have an hour a day or an hour a week to practice on just putting or practice on just hitting irons. You know, it's a, it's too big of a game to perfect, you know, and that's why people are all over Tiger's Nuts. <laughs> because, I mean, it's, it, you know, and they judge people because of that. It's like, oh, shit, this guy won two times. What is he going to do in his career? It's like, dude, you're not fucking Tiger Woods, you know. It, 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 what he did was so crazy. I wish I would have seen it. I didn't see it when, like, I was into golf or since I've been into golf. Like, that shit happened, like, 10 to 15 years before I even started playing the game. But, like, I've seen so many, like, background highlights that it just, like, pumps you up so much to play. And, like, nowadays to see him do good and, like, you just find so much more in that interest. Like, when you've gone back and seen what he's done and then see him still there, it's like you can go back and see, like, Mickey Mantle and see what he did, but then still be there to see what Mickey Mantle's doing late in his career. And I don't know. I just find that part of it like so interesting. But at the same time, like a, a value of of people, you know, in general, an appreciation of sort. No, because I mean, I, I wouldn't look at highlights or anything like that. But I mean, I would watch ESPN or whatever it may have been. And you know, you're watching for the high uh, for the high school for the like, baseball highlights for the fucking basketball highlights. But then they show Tiger, so, you know, you kind of just watch it. But I didn't really appreciate it. I would just see it, you know, like, I'm not going to change the channel for fucking a minute just to change it back. But then when I started playing, I really got into watching it at the time. You know, I was working at a bar, so we had, like, TVs on 24-7, sports around the clock. And I was like, damn, dude, like, these guys are making it look easy. Like, this is par five, and they're fucking eagling it, you know. It's fucking birdie after birdie after birdie, and you're like... This and is situ- tough. And situational. And that's the thing that gets it. Like, that's what sparked the interest in me for, like, the PGA Tour versus, like, baseball and stuff. But I, I don't know. I don't want to even say that because I was never into, like, watching baseball. Like, my shit was playing. I fucking love the game. Like, Sandlot. Like, that's, to me, like, the Sandlot was the fucking epitome of baseball. Like, playing for the love of the game. Like, not, I mean, at the same time, loving the sport and, and watching it, I'm, is is a part of the game in every right but for me like the actual me being the physical part in the game was so fucking tight and i mean i think that's the thing like in general like just being involved in stuff and being like playing stuff like even now like we go and play racquetball on, on mondays just for the hell of it you know for exercise but it's better than what is, what is, what is that racquetball, racquetball well in the hood it's like handball but with a racket like a tennis racket? Yeah, like a tennis racket. So it's a mixture of both. You're indoor and you're just like, you use all the walls. And, I mean, you get the shit hit out of you by this little blue ball. I mean, everybody recognizes the blue balls, you know. And But, yeah, I mean, we just do that for exercise. So for me, it's like more the competition is what I want. Like, the exercise is boring to me. You know, uh, thank you, Savage. Thank you, uh, any of my past coaches. Uh running became so negative in my head and it's still and has a negative connotation because you fucked up you're running you know go go run 10 poles you know because you're you messed up you know or you guys lost or mental error you know i, I don't think they ever really like and there's no reason to like uh penalize somebody for like a physical error you know you just didn't get it that time you tried all you could you know it was like mental errors where it's like you know better 
that's when you're running. But still, I mean, it just led to like a negative connotation of running. Like in my head, it's like, I don't feel like running. Like I feel like I'm being punished. You know, of course it's, it's better in your health, but I'd rather play a sport than, than just run. Yeah, do cardio that run, way. run for fun. I mean, if you can run for fun, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll power to you. I mean, for reals. I mean, I wish I was that kind of person because nowadays I'm thinking like, man, that'd be kind of cool to run like a, a marathon. You know, I've seen people, a buddy that I went to high school with, I, he was my coworker at some point. Uh, he did a marathon. And that was tight, you know, because I know what a marathon is now. Because, like I said, I have an appreciation for people that could do it. Because it's not, it's not easy, like, especially for me, like somebody who grew up with that mentality. I mean, that's something that was, like, always a punishment, like, coming up through, like, T-ball. You know, it was always, that was always your, the negativity in it. It's like, oh, go run a lap. It's like, fuck. Warming up is one thing, but then when you're you're running a lap because you fucked up or your team messed up and and they're just punishing you. I mean, nowadays, it's, it's like, oh, I don't feel like running. But, yeah, man. Um, so how did you like you, uh, we were talking earlier and last night you were talking about how you you follow it pretty pretty heavily like you do fantasy golf how did, how does that work I don't I, I don't do fantasy golf like I did it once at one okay, okay yeah I did it in one occasion for the fun of it and you basically pick I want to say you pick a few, I think you pick like three guys at least I think this was off of Yahoo. But you pick like three guys and then just whoever, whatever place they take in the week, you then, you know, you get points off oh, of that. Oh, you Okay. Yeah, so, so, so it's so not really like, like statistics. Like there's, there's statistics okay. and it, like it gets pretty deep, like your strokes gained. So strokes gained, you could strokes gained off the tee. So how well do you drive it? And do you drive it in the fairway more often? Do you drive it in the in the light rough or do you drive it like way off the rough? That all like that's all your strokes gain off the tee or strokes gain approach or putts per per round or like your sand saves. Um, that's all like statistics nowadays that they that they look at. But I don't know. No, I, no, it's cool. Just because I do like fantasy um, football, fantasy baseball, like year yeah, round. Yeah, so, so so the score the score was basically where they ended up on the in the tournament. And, I just hadn't and heard yeah, of that. So I started I, I started a few weeks late, which is like a a big downfall. I was all into golf. This guy, I think he sat next to me at work, and he was like, hey, I'm doing this fantasy thing, so if you want to get in. He's like, we already started, but I see that you like it, so if you want to join just for the hell of it. I was like, yeah, I'm down. And sure enough, I ended up I ended up winning. I mean, but then you start falling. So just like I'm sure, like, I'm sure fantasy baseball gets, like, just so much more, or fantasy football gets so, so much more in-depth because you learn the players. You know, you see their trends. You see, like, what they did the last tournament. You see, like... How many cuts they've made, you know, you see if they're hot at the moment. Because a lot of times, like, it's not that these guys suck and that these guys are better. They're all pretty much level with the exception of, like, you know, your your Hall of Famers and your Tigers and your Phil Mickelsons and, you know, the people that you see young winning at a much higher rate than normal. Like, at that point, it's just seeing who's hot at the moment. For example, right now at the Masters, I mean, it's going to air probably after the Masters tournament is done. But right now, man, you have so many of the top guys from, like, some of your older guys in, like, Tiger and Phil who are over 40, you know, in the mix. And, I mean, Tiger Woods has been killing it. He's second in the total wins category 
career wins and then second in the major wins, which are some of the bigger ones, and he's in the mix. You know, he's second place. You have these other guys. There's, I think, the guy that's in the lead too has been playing for a long time, and he's in the lead by two right now going into Sunday. So that's kind of an interesting kind of look at things. But then you have a lot of the new guys that are coming out who are right behind them too. You know, the guys that grew up inspired by Tiger Woods, the guys that, you know, like you're playing with the legend. I'm sure like at, at some point, like you kind of grown numb to it because before like the statistics for people that were playing with him, like these people were shook because this guy came on the scene straight out of college and just tore it up. And I mean, we got to a certain point where like the people that were playing against him did not do good. Did not ever do good. Like never because it was just so different. Like the crowds knew or were so hyped up on him that, you know, playing with that much, that many eyes on you, which was never seen before, you know, got everybody nervous. But now like, and plus this guy was working out so much and practicing so much that he was making these guys look like fools. You know, like some of these guys were, not conditioned, you know, Tiger Woods was running six miles a day in the morning before starting his whole, like, routine of, of, of actually practicing golf. Like, he was, like, a physical, like, phenom. And, you know, and nowadays, now the people, like, they grew up with that, where you see, like, all these players in top shape. And it's, like, it's it's a sport. Like, I know a lot of people say, oh, that's not a sport. It's a sport. It's a sport. Yeah, it's a hell of a sport. fucking sport. If you haven't played it, go play and, and tell me you did good and, and you're not going to call it a sport. Like, you're fucking beat. You're tired after, You're especially if you're drinking. You're mentally drained, too. You're mentally drained. You're physically drained. And, like, you just want to shower and nap, you know? But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a whole different level that he took it. And, you know, people, basically, they grew their their consciousness of what, you know, a golfer is or what a golfer can be. And a bunch of kids grew up, you know, working out at a young age and just becoming like physical specimen as they as they develop through like their junior golf and amateur golf and college collegiate golf and then going into tour. Now you have such a high level of players. So that's where you see it now. You see some of the older guys who were killing it before and are still killing it now with like a resurgence. I mean, Tigers had a ton of injuries. Um how many but, back surgeries has he had? I don't know. The numbers are kind of... I think he's had like... I want to say like three or four back surgeries. Knee surgeries. I think elbow. Uh, yeah, the most recent one was like a... Uh, what was it? Uh, a bulge disc in his spine. So they did a microdiscectomy and then... Uh, it worked out, but he was out for like a good like year, year and a half. And when he first kind of tried to come back, like it was so sloppy, and it was it was scary. Like I went in my first one of my first experience in seeing like an actual live tournament. Which if you're any bit like intrigued into golf, go and see a live tournament. Like it's different the way these people like hold themselves, their demeanor. And I'm not saying like about like the respect or the honor about the sport or whatever, but just like they stay calm, cool, and collected the whole round. And I mean, some of it, I'll... To go and see it is one thing. I was going to say something else, but that'll come up right now. 
But to go and see it is one thing and just see how they like go about fuck ups, how they go about like just they're around, you know, like they don't get like amped up over stuff. I mean, some people do. I mean, if you're an emotional player, you're an emotional player. But for the most part, you know, they try to keep it like mellow, you know, and you see these people just like walking, just chill. And like then when you realize like, oh, damn, you know, I was playing and I was like running to my ball and my heart's beating and I'm like nervous about missing like these guys are just like meticulous and like taking their time and paying attention to details and like just checking all their techniques you know before they go and hit the ball but i don't know it's interesting to go and see it and i I recommend it to anybody to just kind of where did you go see it out here in socal yeah that they have the what's now the genesis open uh before it was the north uh i forgot what it was it doesn't matter anymore it's just sponsorships well, they're, they're not paying us anything uh, Pacific Palisades it's oh. the Riviera Country Club it's by where my brother works Century City Santa Monica area um, but it's like an old school uh, old school golf course and maybe one of the older ones in for sure Southern California if not like California and the the West Coast but yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful golf course, and it's so different. Like, you go and you play courses here, and, like, you see the la- the architecture. And the architecture, I mean, you don't know when you're first playing. You know, you just go play, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to play this course. But then as you start playing, then you see, like, okay, okay, this guy designed this. Uh, Jack Nicklaus designed this. Uh, Arnold Palmer designed this. Or uh, Tom Fazio. You see, those are people that, like, more design like resort courses i'm in no way like a historian on architecture um but you've got like a lot of well-known alistair mckenzie um donald ross i mean there's just there's a bunch of like old school architects in what they call like the golden era the golden age of like architecture which are courses that aren't really in this area you're not going to play a public course that's designed by, you know, by such a high-rated uh, architect. You know, that's where you get into, like, the private country clubs, which sucks. You know, like, some of the best golf here in Southern California is not welcome to the public. You know, we're playing some, like, flat courses, and, like, some of them get boring, especially, like, when you see, like, some of these courses. Like, I recently played through like a membership like a SCGA which is just like a kind of like a club Where's that at? The SCGA is the Southern California Golf Association. So they have like the USGA which is like in charge of like the overall growth of the game in golf in the United States. Then you have like your uh, NCGA, SCGA like Northern California, Southern California Golf Associations which are more into growing the game within their section of of the United States. So through there, you have certain clubs that would be more exclusive to the general public. And, I mean, I would recommend this if you're, you know, coming into the game and you find it fun, but you're kind of getting bored of, like, some of the courses that you play. Well, if you join this club, it's, like, maybe $40 a year, and you get, like, a handicap number. So then you start logging in your rounds. And, like, if you're critical on your stats and you want to just get better, like, that's good to have. At the same time, if you don't really care and you just want to play fun courses, you can still pay for it and not care, enter wrong scores or whatever because it's honor system. Um, every week, I think, they have, like, member uh, member outings or tournaments at, like, these country clubs. 
you know, or you're not going to pay a membership. You'll probably pay like 110, 150, 200 bucks to play these otherwise exclusive golf courses or golf courses that are around here and are well known, like Trump or like uh, Pelican Hill. But fuck Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, he the course was there before, anyway. So no, the no, course, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, I know, I know, I know. Gotta throw it out there. Yeah, to each their own. And uh, yeah, so I mean, some of these courses can cost like three sixty for a round. You know, is the general public gonna do that? No. I mean, once you start getting better at it, or even to the point where you can have somewhat of an enjoyable round, it's good to play these courses because you see the difference in what like what you're given with public to what's out there. You know, I went to I went to Pebble Beach. I didn't play the actual Pebble Beach golf course, but the Pebble Beach Resorts or whoever like that company is, they own four golf courses at their at their site. So it's Pebble Beach, it's Spyglass Hill, uh, Spanish, the Links at Spanish Bay, um, and there's another one. I forgot what the other one was, but oh, Poppy Hills and. So I didn't play Pebble. That's one that I would love to play at some point. But in the pros, they play it. So then being able to play like a, one of those courses. So I played Spyglass Hill for my birthday a couple years ago. And man. Yeah. That's special, dude. Like I paid maybe about 450 for an 18-hole uh, round. And man, just like just walking those grounds in the morning with the mist and the fog. And fuck, I played good. It's probably one of the hardest courses in the U.S., if not the world. It was one of the hardest courses on tour, so it goes to show you, you know, I mean, when they play it on tour, they they set it up a lot harder. You know, we have, like, wider fairways to hit. They narrow them. The rough is longer, so if you're in there, it's more penalizing. You know, they actually have to play a strategic shot out of there instead of just, like, if they had, if they're in the rough playing when we're playing, they'll just hit it and get it next to the flag. They're that good. But, yeah, playing it was just something special, and it was just an experience. And, I mean, I would pay, in a way, 400 mm-hmm. to go and just walk those grounds and just, like, walk the walk that I did. Like, it was, like, foggy, misty. Like, it's known for its views, and I did not see one view in the front nine, where <laughs> which is, like, it's, like, sandy dunes. Like, if you go and look at it, you'll see all the pictures that show, like, it's, like, in sandy dunes. What was it called like, so the listener could look it up? Spyglass Hill. Spyglass Hill. So, Spyglass Hill is... is kind of uh it's off of the treasure island book so every single hole is themed around like a a chapter or a story or a character in treasure island so uh yeah so if you know the the book or you're somewhat familiar with it you might see certain names of holes that uh that come from from that story but so this place has like just views so if you google spyglass hill you'll see so many like just nice views like it's a golf course in the middle of the dunes for the first like four holes and then you go into the woods and then the rest of it's kind of into the woods and like the layout of it the condition the just the beauty the trees especially over here like the closest you get to anything like that where you're feeling out of the city is like maybe industry hills you know, you go there, you play, and there's just trees all over. You don't see the hood, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a nice golf course in the middle of a, of a, what I would say is a pretty bad area. I mean, I would say the same thing over here. They had a golf course here, so no knock on, on that area. But, I mean, 
it's just the area that we grew up with. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of sucks that some of the the best golf is is private. So, anyways, I paid $110 to play Hacienda Golf Club, which is off of Hacienda in Avocado Heights, off of, uh, I forgot the street, it doesn't matter either, um, but man, it was something special, that was, that was, that, that has to be, to me, the best golf course I've ever played in this area, I've played a couple private ones, like, sometimes through... Uh, members of a certain golf course where they're paying dues but you're going in to just check it out or sometimes they have like a member for a day and you're checking it out but anyway so the scga they do one they do one where it's like different golf courses so if you're somewhat familiar with a golf course that you want to play so like i'm on looking out for this uh yearly tournament to happen which it's not really a tournament because you're not really playing for anything you're just going to play it you know access but then you have other ones that are like golf courses that are available to the public but expensive and now offered at a at a cheaper rate. So that's always kind of intriguing too. Like instead of paying three sixty for a golf course, you're paying two hundred. Bargain. You know? Yeah, bargain. Definitely a bargain. So I mean, to check out courses like that, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's a different. There's so many aspects to the game of golf that like that's just so much besides playing like architecture and i'm like i'm nowhere like into architecture as it is i like to i find it interesting as a player to listen to like certain talks or certain books or certain like thoughts or like strategy that they had in mind you know like you listen to some of the pros talking about how to play a golf course and that's where i mean as a as an avid golfer you can learn off of the people that are on tv too because they're going to tell you tips in a way like they're just saying it because it's what's in their head and what they know. And you learning, you know, you see it and you're like, ah, I never thought about like golf course management. You know, what's that? And you start, oh, okay, well, I shouldn't be on the left side. It's a better angle on the right side. Or if you can hit shots that curve a certain way, you know, I shouldn't play a straight shot. Because if I play that, you know, I'm leaving this much room to, for error. I'm going to play a short, uh, shot that's going to curve this way to avoid a bunker or to, like, play around a bunker or play around a tree or whatever. But, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that you can learn from a lot of it. I mean, I, I think I did a lot of, like, YouTube and, like, yeah, I never I never took a lesson besides that one that I was saying about with my cousin. But that was, like, so little that. It had an it had an effect like at the beginning. Now it's such basic of a tip that it's like I don't know. There, if I think if I learned other stuff, it'd probably be better. I mean, even now I'm kind of curious, but at the same time I don't want to like mess up my swing because mm-hmm. I'm not like spending as much time to like really like stick to it and fix it and then like implement it and keep going because it's it's a learning curve. You're getting used to a lot of stuff that you're not used to and making that familiar. And if you're not going out to practice it all the time, you're never going to fix it. And if you're not being super competitive anyways, what's the point? Yeah. You know, like I, I want to play tournaments and stuff uh, like some of the like Southern California amateur tournaments, which I mean are in no way easy because you have like collegiate golfers that are like division one or whatever, you know, playing in these tournaments, trying to get it to like benefit their amateur status and become like the best amateur in the world. Which isn't easy. I mean, these guys are good. These guys are crazy good. 
but like still just being able to play a tournament and like playing under like tournament rules like i've always enjoyed like the game of baseball playing it under pressure you know being the last out you know and you're down by one runners on first and second what are you gonna do you know like are you gonna swing are you gonna like you know you're gonna i don't know like you're looking at gaps you're trying to find whatever you can find to do it and i mean all those situations just playing baseball for so long like getting the a little bit of a rush of playing like a tournament which i played one i've played a couple tournaments uh to this date um, why do you share that story the the tournament story <laughs> the tournament was good the the main one that I remember, like the other one's kind of like a basic tournament. This one was more like a city tournament, and in no means was like a a respected event or like it was just like a first like let's put it together at a local golf course, Whittier Narrows Golf Course. It's not it's it's nothing it's nothing special, you know. It's a golf course. I mean, I find it special. I learned a lot there, and I probably played most of my golf like coming up there because I mean it was cheap. You know, me and my brother would get on and we'd play and we'd end up playing like 25, 26 holes in one day, you know, after work. You know, we started at one thirty and just go till you can't see. And I mean, it was funny. You just turn on the lights and like, or turn on a flashlight, try to find your ball, hit it and go and use you the flashlight again. light. Like, well, where do you think you hit it? You know, I don't know. I felt like I hit it straight and you're looking straight and sometimes there, sometimes not. Drop another ball. But anyway, so that golf course that day. I had entered the tournament, there was, I think, 15, maybe 20 people tops. But I entered the tournament just saying, like, ah, fuck it, you know, it'll be tight. You know, it's a Rosemead City tournament. So I joined it, then, like, they send you, like, the tee times. They send you, like, who's going to play. So I was kind of interested, like, oh, well, who is playing? Like, who are these people? And you've seen that there's some fucking good, good people. They're like, I didn't know them. I didn't know what they did, you know. But through the handicap system, through the USGA or SCGA, you can go into and see like people's handicap. So you go into it and, and see like, oh, okay, this guy, this is his name. Why don't you uh, explain from, to the listener real quick how the handicap system works? So the handicap system, it's your, they obviously understand that not every single round is going to be like your best round. Um, so it's out of your first 20 rounds or out of 20 rounds, the average of your best 10 so basically, your half of your scores in twenty rounds, and then the best just like average that. So that it's more seeing what your potential is versus like what's your actual average. Because if you count your average, you're always gonna like be way up there. Because you're not always gonna play. It's too hard of a game to play that good. So you start off with like, say like your average handicap. I think in in golf in general is like maybe like a 18 to 25 somewhere within there so that's meaning you're giving up 18 to 25 shots per round you know so a bogey or a little over a bogey every single hole and that's considered somewhat average you know out of all golfers so if you can get that down lower and lower and lower like you're you're getting really good and i think like if you get down to like single digit handicaps so like if you get down to like a 9.9.9 so nine being the single digit, um, that's I think like the top, like five percent of all golfers. Of all golfers, yeah. So you're hitting something kind of special in a way when you're there, and when you're there, like the level of the game gets a little. It's different. It's a different game for sure. You're not just trying to make contact. You're trying to 
go for it. Anyways, going back to going back to uh, the tournament. So we played. I would. I was somewhat. I was familiar with this golf course because we played gro- growing up so much. And I remember hitting like a ton of good shots. I remember hitting a ton of bad shots. You know, there's certain holes that you step up on and you're like, "Fuck!" I always go left here. I always go left here, or I always fuck this hole up. Oh, or I love this hole. You know, I always always end up in this spot and I always have a good position to get here. So anyway, so that round I was I was confident, I was playing good. I was like practicing and stuff the the weeks coming up to that. Um and yeah, you know, I mean I got there somewhat early, I was putting, I was chipping, uh I was hitting some wedges, hitting some drivers and everything was felt pretty good. I mean I didn't know what was in store, you know, I know nerves were somewhat somewhat there, like butterflies in your stomach, just like when you're in high school and you're on the bus driving to you know a royal high school to play them you yeah. know yeah i mean just whoever's competitive i mean you just don't know what to expect you know and you're just going into it you know knowing that you're prepared and so i played this round i mean i think like the first hole i think i parred so it was like i was like okay cool you know i mean i'm not like pros would think like a, a par is like is like a bogey, you know, on a par five because you you have so much like leeway to have mistakes and still do what somewhat decent or, or birdie it. But I mean, I'm not nowhere near that. I'm okay, uh, but yeah. So I guess backtracking a little bit. So my handicap right now is like a three point nine, which is pretty solid. Now on the other side of the spectrum. You get down to scratch, which is zero, which means half the time when you play, you're shooting even par. So on most regulation size courses, it's going to be a par 72. Uh, it's a mix of par threes, fours, and fives. So that saying, if that course is a 72 handicap, or yeah, 72 uh, par, then that's saying that I'm expected to shoot four over, you know, more or less. To which where, is great. <laughs> yeah, which is which is great, yeah, yeah, yeah. And w- some of the players that I was playing, now you go from say I'm a, a three point nine, and then you go to scratch, which is zero, and then you go plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four. So now instead of saying like, oh, this course is a par seventy two, I'm playing it as a par seventy six because my handicap's a four, so I'm adding four strokes for myself. Now, these people are giving up strokes because they're so fucking good. You know, they can shoot a score under par more than half the time that they play. So now instead of gaining strokes from the course, you're giving strokes. So you're already starting over, right? So in this tournament, you had your gross score and your net score. So obviously your gross score is your total score not not adjusted to your handicap, right? So like if I played against you, you might be a 30 handicap. I'm a four handicap. In no way is it fair for me to play against you because it's never going to be even. But now, if you adjust it, you know you shoot. Uh, it's a part. Let's say it's a par seventy. You shoot a ninety. You know, but you're a, a twenty golfer. That's like you shooting scratch to your score, right? Now, if I shot one over, then it's like, oh, okay, and I'm a scratch golfer. Well, I lost because I shot more than what I'm normal. Like you shot so well for what you can do. That, you know, it tops what I do. And then you have your, so that's your net score. Your growth score would be like, oh, well, I had less strokes than you no matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's really the one in tournaments that you're more, like, looking at. Like, the net is just a reflection of how good you did to what your average is. 
So in this case, I played a guy that he was a plus three or he was like a plus one or two, which is like, damn, that's a good player, especially like amateurs, especially me. I mean, I never played any like competitive golf. I never grew up in junior golf. It was always baseball, you know, so to finally go up against people that I was impressed, even though not knowing them, but just knowing like, fuck, man, this guy, this guy has pretty good scores. You know, you went to fucking UC Davis and, you know, or you see like this guy went to this school and just out of curiosity, you know, I, I looked up the people's backgrounds, you know, see where they played and like tournaments and like see if there was like any articles about them. And it was just like fun to kind of see like, oh, this is the guy that I'm going up against. You know, so sure enough, there was one guy that I had in my eye. I was like, this is the best fucking guy in this in this whole tournament. And I know because you can go back and see their history. So I parted the first, and then sure enough, I came up to a, a hole where I'm like, fuck, I always go left. Always go left. Sure enough, I hit a tree, you know, right off the, the tee box, and I'm left with like 300 yards, maybe more. So then I recover myself. I, I hit a good recovery shot, get it back in the fairway, then I, I chip it close. Or I chipped it to like 15 feet and made a really good putt to stay even par. Which I'm like, oh, okay, cool, hell yeah. You know, par, a, par, par. Yeah. yeah, so it was a par 5, a par 4. Now we're going on to a par 5. And that one I had been playing. And when I played, when I had played that course a lot, it was soft. It was like run down. It was run by the county. So they never really put money into it. So then a company called American Golf took it over, and I hadn't really gone back since they had it, and it had been maybe two years. So, like, the tee boxes were a little bit better. The green conditions were a little bit better. The golf course maintenance in general was a little bit better. There just wasn't, like, a mess in between holes, like, just, like, junk and old chopped down trees, like, just laying there, you know? And one of the things that I noticed when I was, like, playing a a practice round was, like, these fucking greens were hard. So to when you hit... The ball, the ball has an effect because the ball has a soft cover, right? There's different kinds of balls, but say your ball has a soft cover that's soft enough that when it hits the grooves on a golf club, digs into the grooves, and that's what creates spin. Which when you hit the green, stops. You know that's why you can get a, a ball to spin back. You know, but when they're so firm, so say like for example, like what the pros play, they play super firm greens. So, like, if you have just the normal contact, and or, like, you can be good around here, but the second they switch the greens to, like, pro greens, it's a completely different game. Because you're not playing, like, oh, well, I'm just going to land here, it's going to fucking sit, you know, it's going to, like, dig in and just going to stop where it's at, or it's going to do something predictable that I'm used to it doing with such a soft golf course versus, like, a, a better golf course that's, like, firm. So that was, like, one of my first experiences in seeing, like, something that firm. I was like, oh, shit. So I was like, okay, you know, instead of like, I would hit the green, but it just like bounce and come off. And like, fuck, I never experienced that. So that means that you either need to hit it higher so that it comes down in a lower trajectory, just like if you drop it instead of like lobbing it onto a green. I mean, of course, if you lob it, it's going to roll out to where if you just drop it next to you, it's going to stop because there's no momentum. But so going into it, I kind of knew that I was like, okay, well, I got to kind of adjust numbers, you know, like the flag might be 155 yards. But I can't hit a club that's going to take me 155 yards. It's going to bounce next to the flag and, and keep going. So instead, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to play 145, let it bounce, and then roll out those 10 yards or those 5 yards and leave you 15 feet or whatever it is for a birdie. But so I went throughout my round, and I mean, everything was solid. I mean, I'm a little guy, but I can hit the shit out of the ball. 
And it's kind of always been like that. Like I have buddies that play that are way bigger than me. I mean, if they knew how to use their body, they would definitely kill it much, much further than me. But I think it's just like the mechanics and your technique flexibility mm. because you can have the technique, but if you're not flexible, you're not going to get into the position to create as much torque as you need to, you know I mean? And I mean, most people, I mean, the average person is overweight you know, or doesn't work out as much as they should. So they're not like as, as flexible as, as they should be. I mean, you can do stuff to get back flexible and stretch and stuff like that. I mean, and all that is like more beneficial if you really want to like gain distance uh, on your, you know, in your clubs. But so that day I was hitting every, I was hitting the shit out of everything and putting myself in spots where like I was never like I hit the ball so good that I was in these spots that I had never been in like so close on these holes that usually I'd be like 130 yards I'm 80 yards and now instead of playing like a a longer regular shot now I'm playing a finesse shot something that I'm like controlling a controlled shot and fuck it was it was so fun like I found it so fun and my putting was on point which I had just actually no at that point I hadn't really figured this little tip out but I was putting good, you know, I was putting good, I was playing good, and it was fun. Like, at that point, like, you start playing certain shots. Like, if you have wind, you're not going to shoot it up in the air. You're going to try to hit, like, a lower shot to keep it out of the wind so it can still fly its correct distance. Or, you know, if a flag, like I said, if a flag is on the right side and there's a bunker in the front, well, you're not going to go over the bunker because if you catch it just a little bit short, now you're in the bunker. Instead, you're going to shoot it to the middle of the green aiming for it to like curve so that if you miss, you know, you're still missing on the green. Like if it doesn't curve where you want, you're going to end up in the middle of the green and still have a putt for birdie, you know? So you start playing like certain advantages and you start like calculating. And especially when certain courses have like elevation changes, that's when it gets really fun. Cause now you're, you know, you're standing on the tee. You're like, okay, um, below the ball or um, yeah, I'm below the ball. And I, I, I need to hit it an extra five yards or five yards less. It would be five yards less. <clears throat> and then I have wind into my face or, or going downwind. So you start adjusting all your numbers and you see, okay, where do I want to land? Now what club do I need? You know, so it's like, I don't know. You say it, unless you've seen like a visual, I think that would be what would explain it more. Like if you actually played and like when I play with people that I'm trying to teach, I explain these things because if they're like genuinely into it, these are things that you see and like, oh shit, I never thought about that, you know? So going into it, it was it was fun. I mean, I I bogeyed I think like two holes, or th- I bogeyed like three holes, and it was like in and out of the round. But I ended I think the first nine. I think I was one over, which is like damn, was really good. I mean, yeah, playing in a tournament, the pressure of it. I think the pressure of it was what made me focus more. I think, like, for me, my, my biggest consistency, I think a lot of people, the biggest consistency is an inconsistency. You know, like, not being able to be repeatable. But we're not fucking robots, you know, and we don't practice as much to be that good. But, yeah, so seeing, like, consistency in, like, a tournament was, was fun. And then, so we got to another par five, starting in the back nine. Uh, it was, like, the 11th hole. And I hit such a terrible shot because it was my ball positioning. On one of the holes I hit, and I, I was like, okay, this club, I usually have the ball here. So then when I make contact, the club face is squared up. So then I'm hitting it like perfect, right? Dead on. 
So instead, I had it a little more back. I kind of knew that I wasn't going to get the club released all the way, so it was going to stay open, and it sliced. It went away, and then, so I had to chip and putt and all that, and I ended up bogeying. So now at this par 5, a couple holes later, I'm there, and like, okay, you know, I know what I did wrong. You know, I had it a little too back in my stance or more in the middle of my stance, and it went away from me just for the fact of timing. So, okay, I'm going to have it a little more forward. So now in this time, instead of slicing, now I hooked it. So instead of going away from me, now it came towards me. Uh, and so I ended up way right. I thought it was going to end up in this wash. And I think I still got out with the, another bogey there. But now we're getting into the meat of it. After, after that, it was like, I know I'm doing what I'm doing right. It's just that one club that, you know, my adjustments were good. You know, I just needed to, like, find the right thing. But, like, every other club was good. Like, my driver was good. My wedges were good. My irons were good. My putting was good. Short game, bunkers were good. Um, they're all different games in it in, in themselves. But, yeah, so, I mean, from that point on, I think I almost birdied the next one. I hit a I hit a bomb, and it was in the fairway. Got it somewhat close. Missed my birdie putt, made a par. Mm. Next one, same thing. Missed my birdie putt, got a par. The one after that, I got a, I got a birdie, birdie. So now with the bogeys that I had, now I was plus one. So I was like, oh shit, like I'm plus one. I mean, it's it, plus one is a hell of a score. Hell of a score. And for me, that was like tying my my personal best. So I'm, I mean, not only the pressure of the actual golf course or the the pressure of the actual golf tournament, but within myself, like the fight within my head, like it's a, it's a different mentality. And then I think there is like a learning process, which I'll talk about after. But I ended up birdie birdie, and one of them I fucking just stuffed the shot. And the guy that was the good guy was in the group in front of me, so it was like these guys saw my shot and like fuck yeah, like I don't know where they're at. Yeah, I don't really give a shit because I'm. I mean, you can't worry about that. You know, you worry about your game. Like if you start thinking about other stuff, like the game's hard enough. Like you just you got to stay in your in your lane and focus on your game. And as it was, I mean, lengthwise, I'm not worried about anybody hitting it farther than me because I'm pretty sure they're not. And plus, it's my game. It's what I'm used to. Even if they hit it farther, well, power to them, you know. If I hit it that far, maybe I won't know what to do. I probably would do better. I mean, being closer is always better, but um, well, not always. But, yeah, so anyway, so I birdie birdie. Then the next one, I had another good look at it. And then the final hole was the one that was kind of like, oh, shit, you know, like so... I hit a really good drive, and then I'm going to my approach. It's a par four, so I hit a good drive. That's shot one. Shot two, I'm on the fairway, and I'm thinking, like, okay, well, what am I going to hit? You know, I have 110 yards. I'm kind of in between clubs. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit this one, and I'm going to hit, like, a controlled shot. So instead of hitting, like, a 90% shot, I'm going with, like, a 60% power with a club that actually takes me farther than that distance. So it's kind of adjusting in a way when you're like in between a number, like you end up learning different shots with different clubs. But I think at that moment, it felt the right. passive, no, no, the passive shot was not, it felt right. But then when I shot it and I did it, I was like, no, I can't like, I'm in my head too much and nervous that I can't like, I can't do a finesse shot. You know, I need to, at this moment, I need to play aggressive nice so that's what that was one of the learning lessons there like the last hole okay be more aggressive you know i ended up on the green but about 30 40 feet out 
And I'm like, fuck, man. Now I got a long-ass two-putt to make. Like, I'm not even thinking about birding it. You know, I'm so much in my head that I'm thinking, like, fuck, I'm two-putt to tie my, like, personal record here at a fucking tournament with what I think maybe the chance to win it. You know, like, fuck, I mean, I don't know how good these people are. I don't know how good they're going to play today. Like I said, you're peaking, you know. So I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm going to give it my go. I putt. I end up, like, 15 feet short. I'm like, you fucking serious? Like, I can see the hole. Like, how do I end up this fucking short, you know? Sure enough, I make that last one to par the hole. And, you know, I got ended up with a plus, a plus one. Something like, fuck, that was like, that was good. You know, to make that last putt, I was so pumped up to make that last putt. Because I like, fuck this. I'm not going to let this, like, go away. Like, this is the putt that I need to make. And I'm going to fucking make it. And I fucking made it. But, I mean, it's like a little mental victory, you know. Do other people, well, now other people do know, like, what you're thinking. But at the time, like, the people that are playing, they're like, yeah, good job, you know. But in my head, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, I'm so fucking proud of what I did. And, like, I mean, I think you should always be proud of, like, what you're doing, you know. Whether it's a hobby, whether it's, you know, you working. Like, be proud of yourself, you know. Be proud of what you've done, what you're doing. And, I mean, you can't focus on the negative. You know, like, like, focus on it to see what can change. But always, you know, always enjoy, enjoy the struggle. You know, enjoy the struggle. Enjoy just, like being in the moment you know always be in the moment of what you're doing but yeah so i did that I, f- I finished the the round and i'm thinking like fuck maybe i won and then maybe not you know i know this other guy's fucking good so i'm not even gonna like try to act like i want i'm just gonna go get a hot dog i'm gonna get myself some chips just chill while they count the scorecards and see like who won or whatever so i just turned it in i didn't say anything because i mean i'm more focused on like the round and not really focused on like, hey, this is what I got, you know, because that fucking doesn't matter, you know. So I was just like, okay, I turned in my, my scorecard and I'm like, okay, so this is a fairly good round. You know, my, I mean, I knew it was a good round because my best my best round. So me being a four handicap and shooting a plus one, that's actually like shooting three under, you know, for what I'd, for what my handicap is. So it's like shooting a really, really good round that's beyond my handicap in a tournament so then that was the even funner part and like i said i think the biggest part was just like the focus aspect of it you know because the ability is there and you go to the range and you practice for that but like keeping your focus and like being able to like just think a lot more because it's a lot more thinking than just and going out yeah and execute execute definitely and i mean yeah man And, and and so i went i got my hot dog and all that to eat and just waiting for them to like see who won and and whatever, and then they're like, "Oh, who's David?" I was like, "Oh, I'm David." He's like, "Oh, you got a plus one! Wow, good job!" This and that. Yeah, yeah. He's all right. Well, you're in a in a tie with this other guy. I'm like, "Oh, okay." Wow. I was like, "Cool." I was like, "Fuck this hot dog." <laughs> well, not at that point. I didn't ditch the hot dog. <laughs> uh, I had taken a bite. This shit was so good. Golf course hot dogs. For those people who have never had a golf course hot dog, go to a golf course even just to have a fucking hot dog. Go play if you're down. It's always fun. Good experience. But, yeah, so then I seen, like, okay, well, I'm in a playoff now with this fucking guy that I had been looking up, you know? So I was like, oh, fuck, that's, that's, that's tight. You know, the one guy that I thought, like, I'm going to fucking beat this guy, you know? And, I mean, you go into it, you know, with the mentality of that, you know? Like, you don't want to be in a... And a mentality that's nervous or anxious or, you know, scared of the unknown or whatever. You want to think, like, 
I got this, you know, like, I know I'm good, I know I can do what I want to do, I know this guy's really good, but shit, he can have a bad day, sure enough, he had a bad day, him shooting one over, to me, where it's like, 300 par, where for me, it's like, fuck, one of the best rounds of my life, and to my handicap, shows that he was three over, based on his handicap, so now you see where it was a bad day of him, and a good day of me, and he even came, he's like, dang, he's like, you shot a one over, he's like, that's fucking good, He's like, because actually it was, I found it kind of tough today. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I everything felt good. So anyway, so in my head, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I've never experienced this. You know, I'm I'm happy just for even getting the chance to tie and, and go into a playoff and try to win. You know, I'm sense of gratitude. You know, I'm like, hey, you know what? To the powers that be, you know, thank you for putting me here. Whatever happens after this, I'm cool with it. You know, and I was like, just going to enjoy it for the moment, you know. So we played, we played our thing and. I hit it past them like 20, 30 yards, and we're in the same cart. So in a way, it's kind of awkward, but I don't care. You know, I'm going to talk to him and say what's up. And he's like, man, he's like, you hit it far. He's like, I haven't played with many people that hit it that far. So that's that's a something nice else. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. I mean, this fucking guy played college, you know, something special. Like, I knew, I know I hit it far because anytime I play with somebody, it's always further. Like, right now, I'm not hitting as far as I was because... At that point, you're playing more, so your body's just so much more used to it, more flexible for the moment, more, you know, the flexibility, uh, muscle memory, if that's any, if that fucking exists. But, yeah, I was hitting it definitely a lot farther than what I was hitting it now, and I ended up behind a tree. He ended up in the middle of the fairway. Since he was behind me, he hit first. He hit it past the green, over the green. So now I'm behind this tree. I'm thinking, like, okay, well, I either just chip out sideways and leave myself a long shot coming in. But seeing that, that this guy's already way down there, I got to be close because he's playing an easier shot to get himself close and then putt. It's a par five. So he plays the second shot. He goes over. I play my second shot behind the tree. And I'm thinking like, all right, I'm going to curve it around this tree. So here's my second my second lesson of, of this round of golf. I hit it and I just missed the tree. Why? Because I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust myself at that moment. Even though I played the best round that I have ever played in a tournament, you know, a point where you would think, you know, in retrospect, you think, like, I should have been confident, you know? I should, like, I was playing a curving shot to get back into position or get on the hole. Instead, I played it straight, not thinking I was going to be able to curve it. But I was fucking, everything was on point. I was curving it the way I wanted to. I was curving exactly how much I wanted to on command, you know, right to left, left to right, low, high. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't play it confidently. Like, I hit the shot that I wanted to because, you know, my game was on point. But where I was aiming and my thoughts was like, I'm not going to curve it as much as I think I am. You know, so my thoughts got in the way. And so I ended up on the right side in the rough. So it doesn't matter because we're both in the rough when we're both on our third shot. So he chips it, he chips it to about, no, I chipped it first. And I hit the chip that I wanted to. I mean, I'm always practicing chipping, and I think that's one of my strong suits is my short game. But, yeah, so I was like, okay, I'm just imagining, like, okay, I'm, I'm in my front yard. You know, my, my practice routine here is, like, just chip it over the fountain. You know, in this case, I had, like, a, a an area of rough maybe, like, 15 yards deep. I just got to get it over, let it land, and run out. You know, like, usually, like, if you're trying to get a ball to, like, stop quick, you need to have, like, 
a really good look at the ball, clean club. You know, you need to make as much contact with your grooves to the ball, you know, so that it can create the spin to stop. Something okay. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm in the rough. That's not gonna happen. It's gonna land. It's gonna roll out. So I'm like, all right. Just I literally just imagine like certain shots. I imagine being at the range. Like okay, I'm at an industry hills. This practice flag is usually at 145. Just hit your fucking driving range. You know, just imagine yourself at the driving range. Hit that shot. Because of course the driving range, you can always do it better. You know. So in this case, you know, I imagine like okay, hit it over the fountain. Hit over the fountain and let it do what it did. Dude, I hit the perfect shot and it fucking stopped on me. So now I'm like 20 feet away. I'm like, man, like, and I wasn't mad because I hit it exactly like I wanted to. So, so it's you like, did everything you I, yeah, to I, I had no regret, you know, over that shot because like that's what I wanted to do. It didn't react, you know. I actually caught it a lot better, you know, than I would have anticipated because the the lie was the lie being where the ball is at was pretty shitty you know there's tall grass all around it so there's no way i'm gonna make good contact to get it to stop so i hit my shot and landed short and i was like all right well it is what it is you know i i hit the shot that i wanted to you know there wasn't any other shot that i was gonna hit and be like comfortable with like yeah you know i i fucked that shot up you know i didn't execute and then he chipped it close and then my missed my putt and he was like two feet so that was i lost on a playoff one but but now the two lessons there was like be confident and be aggressive, you know com- aggressive knowing like because the nerves will get you, and it's better to be aggressive than not be aggressive and try to play like a touch shot because your touch is kind of gone, you know you have nerves your excitement, the feeling now here's another thing that's kind of like interesting is the feeling of nervousness is the same as the feeling of like uh, excitement, you know so you can be excited of how you're playing. And have the exact same feeling as the person that is just nervous, you know, so you can be good as fuck. But now if you're like so excited, like, oh, I'm in the middle of the fairway, you know, this is an easy shot like that. So much adrenaline and, you know, and like I said, it kind of goes back to now saying about like the PGA Tour, you know, going and going to see a match. And you see how for the most part, most of these guys are like taking it pretty easy, like throughout their round, you know, and they just like just keep it mellow, like kind of. Same tone. I mean, of course, sometimes they get frustrated. But for the most part, throughout the round, they're pretty mellow. And then you kind of start understanding, like, ah, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like, as an avid golfer, if you enjoy golf, it's interesting to go to a place like that and seeing how the pros play it. How they handle themselves. Yeah, how they handle themselves, exactly. And, I mean, I don't know. It has all all to do with the, the mentality. And, I mean, some of it is, like, you're breathing, you know. Like, you want to be at a certain, like, beats per minute for for putting, you know, exactly, like, it's not that much to where it's like, oh, I have to be at 160 beats per minute or whatever. I don't, I'm not a fucking nurse either. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, it's stuff that they're conscious of, you know. Like, I need to be calm to hit a, a good putt because sometimes, like, you lose your feel being too anxious or too nervous or, like, too many thoughts in your head. But, yeah, so, I mean, that that overall, the, the tournament itself was, like, just so fun, so fulfilling. So I ended up taking second on the gross, which I lost in the playoff. But being that I shot under my handicap, I won first net. So first net, second gross, which like I said, like the net one is like, you know, basically you against yourself. It's how good do you do against yourself. And the gross is how good do you do against others. And, you know, with the fact being that this guy was just a lot better than me, six shots, well, yeah, six shots better than me. 
and we tied. Like fuck, that that's big. Six shots, six shots is a lot. That's that's saying something. Like that's bogey in six holes. Level. You know, yeah. that's bogey in six holes, or I don't know. It's it's just. So I mean, I, I came out with it, and like I said, like I, as it was just getting into the playoff, I was thinking like, man, I'm appreciative. Like I practiced, I executed, and here I am with the shot to fucking win. Like that's so fucking tight. So they gave like free credit. I got a couple free rounds for some local golf courses. So that was fun. I mean, I was playing it just to see how my game matched up yeah, against yeah. other people, you know. And I mean, a lot of people there they weren't like the best, but there were a few guys on there that I, that were on my radar that was like, okay, I see this guy went here and he's been playing golf for a long time. There's fucking articles on him. I'm gonna see what we do, you know. Like that, that's interesting. Like it's just fun you know and that's where i want to get into it a little bit more and i've been wanting to but i mean as you know like having kids can take up a lot of time like not in any negative way at all i mean it's it's a blessing but i mean certain hoppies just take a a, a back seat you know and you know for the most part I, I try to get in around once a week unless i have something going on or if i'm not going to play sometimes i'll practice go putting go chipping go hit the driving range once a week if that, I mean, sometimes I don't even do that. Sometimes I don't touch a club for a month or two months, you know. So it's kind of hard to like get better and get into a shape where you're like, all right, I'm gonna go compete against some yeah. people because yeah, it's an amateur tournament, but fucking college players, you know, these are people that like, like training all the time. Yeah, they're training all the time. They've been playing since they're fucking four, and like playing tournament golf since they're four. So like the pressure's nothing to them. They can perform like no problem because they do that every day, you know. They, Parents drop them off since they're like, I don't know, 10, dropping off at the golf course and they just spend all day during the summer. Like, people like that, it's like, I would imagine, like, fuck, if I played golf when I was younger, fuck, man. Like, I don't think I was, like, the best baseball player, but I think I was all right, you know? And, like, for me, like, the realistic part was my size. Like, I'm not going anywhere with golf. I mean, I'm not going anywhere with baseball. I'm not tall enough, you know? I mean, yeah, there's some certain people that, you know, David are short, Eckstein, yeah, yeah but David Eckstein, yeah, but that's f- few and like, between. yeah, and these guys are like freaks of nature to a certain extent. Like these guys are are good. Like there's something special. There, you're something special if you can if you can be short in a sport that's really dominated by taller individuals. I mean, just because like the average height, like we're Mexican, you know. And I mean, not knocking Mexicans, but I mean on average, realistically, we're, we're shorter short. than most people, you know. And you know, so I mean, it is what it is. The part that I'm like, eh, you know, I maybe could have pursued it a little more, not for like a career, but, you know, for opportunities like in, in college and stuff, but whatever. I mean, I didn't. That's back then. I'm not going to try to, you know, wrestle with the past and imagine what ifs, you know, because I don't really give a shit that much, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But so, I mean, my mentality was like, well, fuck it, I'm going to start just working, go to school and like just get a head start, you know, get a head start in life instead of just like trying to go for something that. I didn't think I had a future in, but, like, in retrospect, I think, like, oh, well, you know, I could have been a collegiate athlete and just make it in a way easier for me to, you know, stay invested in my grades and, like, continue and finish college and all that. But, I mean, it's all retrospect. Yeah, it's just being hindsight, you know. We could, could look back and do all that stuff because – but, I mean – Going back to the, the tournament, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, cut you off there, but, I mean, this is just, I, I've been so quiet, dude, because I'm so intrigued. I mean, this is, like, not once would I ever imagine playing myself, 
in a tournament, you know, I just do it for, like I said, go out there, have a good time, have a couple of beers, be out in the sun. You're not on your phone, you know, you're just kind of relaxed and like, so like, you know, fuck, dude, it's a part three and I'm on my fit shot. Fuck it. I'm, <laughs> uh, this is the part that's going in. And then you hit that one. And then, you know, one thing that I liked about me towards the end, at the beginning, dude, I'd get mad. I would get mad. My friends would tell me, dude, you got to stop coming. You're getting mad. I'm not like an anger way, but just like, fuck, dude, I hit such a good first shot and my second shot was terrible so now it's gonna be like instead of going for par i'm gonna try for like a bogey so towards the end i was like dude take it one shot at a time if you have a bad first shot have a better second shot so that's what yeah. i started doing and that's when i saw some improvement because like you said it's a mental game yeah and so i once i got out of my own head just because you know i was like i wasn't trying to compete with them because i had no fun at that point you know yeah i wasn't even about the money but it was just like oh dude i'm losing lunch every day or every time we golf so when i just started kind of enjoying it again i was like dude this is fun again and I started doing better. Uh, but so I never even thought like I never even saw anything about tournaments or anything like that. But I was like, one time we said we should join a tournament just to see how we do. And I, at the time I was playing terrible. So I was like, I'm not down for that, dude. I'm not going to embarrass myself. This would be terrible. I'm, you know, let's say we don't get grouped together, like with a friend, a homie. I'm with some random dude. He's like, what the fuck are you doing out here? Yeah. So, you know, to me, it's intriguing. Like, wow, like you're, this has been. I've been quiet. I know I have. Just because I'm like... <laughs> I, I'm know, getting, I thought... I was like, damn. Like, I'm getting schooled over here. No, no. That's why I was just... I was just like... <laughs> whenever I had to say something, I would say it. But like tournaments, dude. Like when are you going to do another one? Or what's... You know... Well, last how, year... How much training do you got to do to be you comfortable to do another you gotta, one? You got to be good. Like say, for example... So you have like local tournaments. So you have like your local tournaments. Would say like the tournament that I play. Like it's in no way like a fucking... Like a high-end tournament like to me i was like fuck it, i'm just gonna try to like play this tournament and see how i do under stress under nerves and you know see if there's a couple good people that are gonna be in there and basically play against them you know i see other people that were there that were like 10 15 handicaps like i'm in no way worried about what they're gonna score like i'm that tripping like i gotta really fuck up and they gotta do really good for me to lose to them so it's like a non-issue with those people like not knocking it but i mean you're playing a tournament you know like they're there for the net, not the gross. You yeah. know, like in my head, I'm like, I'm fucking trying to win by score. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't give a fuck how good this guy is. You know, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to outplay this guy. He can have a bad day, like you said. And he yeah, but even day. that, like, fuck that. Like, I don't want him to have a bad day. Like, I want to beat him on a fucking good day. You know, because I mean, for myself, you know, I mean, I to prove it to myself. You know, at the end of the day, like I said, like you go and you practice by yourself. If you're trying to get good, you practice by yourself. You play by yourself. You go in the times where you just have some time and you just want to get a little extra practice in, you know, like, so it's like, I'm not trying to prove it to anybody but myself, you know, and see what I've got, you know, what what do I got against other people, you know, like, in competition, like people that do it a lot more than me, you know, and do it a lot better that have been coached, you know, growing up. So it was, it was fucking interesting, you know, I w at that time, I had only been playing maybe four years. This was like middle of last year. So, yeah, I mean, it's fresh, you know, it's really, really fresh to me. The game itself, like, compared, like I said, like, just knowing, like, the nuances and, like, practicing with, like, coaches. And, like, in baseball, I had my uncle who played professional baseball. And, you know, if my swing was fucking up, I'd give him a call. He'd say, hey, okay, let's meet me at Live Oak at this time on this day, and I'll go fix your swing. So he'd fix my swing, and I'd come out, and I'd be hitting good. You know, I was always a, I was always a good hitter throughout. I call it, I mean, uh, high school, and I mean, even like just growing up. And that was one of the things, you know, like I had somebody there to show me, 
you know, fundamentals and like, oh, you're doing this wrong. You need to come in at this angle or whatever. So like not having that in golf and getting where I got, I mean, I, I think it's somewhat impressive. But I It mean, is. <laughs> but to to the same extent, I mean, I, it's somewhat normal because I was a self-taught artist for a long time. I was a self-taught musician for a long time and self-taught in a, in a lot of different things. I mean, just like I said, it's obsessions, obsessions and hobbies and I don't know, like art, I don't want to say self-taught. To a certain extent, I was self-taught, but without actually learning it, like the fundamentals like if you don't know how tall a human figure should look like, it's never you're never gonna draw a human figure right because, you know the proportions are wrong, right? Mm. There's eight heads in a body. You know the halfway point is the scrotum, and then you've got like you know two heads to the center of to the nipples. You know, so it's just like stuff that you need to know. You can't just like oh well I'm just gonna fucking wing it and like a stick figure. <laughs> this looks like it. This looks like the Proportional. how high a human is. Yeah, yeah. and like. Knowing about cast shadows and foreshadows and like different types of like stuff, like stuff you need to know and understand. Um, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you're still putting in the practice on your own, you know, like they say, it takes 10,000 10, 10, hours or whatever hours. to become an expert at something. And fuck, man, I mean, that's kind of what it's always been. It's just trying to get as much time. I mean, of course, like I'm at a disadvantage because I don't have a coach and, you know, like, it's at that point it's not about practicing so much because if you practice so much the wrong things now you're just ingrained with bad habits you know and i mean do i know if i'm have bad habits i don't know but i know my swing you know and that's where i've been able to get where i'm at because i know how to adjust you know the ball's going to tell you something you know the ball's if the ball comes out left you know it's either because your swing was outside or in or you left the, the club face open to where it's spun out you know and i had those stuff so then that's when like i can autocorrect my swing like if i haven't played for a while if or that yeah so going back to like tournaments so towards the end of last year i was like ah you know what i'm gonna play a few tournaments uh try to qualify for some of the southern california amateur tournaments and like i mean a lot of times you have to have a minimum of a handicap so i wasn't really going for anything crazy because some of them you have to have like a two or better like if there's certain tournaments, uh, professional tournaments that are open tournaments, and there's also invitationals. So the invitationals are like for the pros, and only the specific people invited are gonna play. So it's always like the top in the world, but then you have or the top in the area, or depending, you know, it could be collegiate invitational. Um, but you have opens, like say for example, the one that was here that I was recommending earlier to go to is the, was was the Genesis Open. So you as an amateur, or if you considered yourself to be a professional, could pay like 200 bucks, and as long as your handicap was under their required handicap, you can go and try to qualify for the tournament, an actual professional tournament. Like, when the fuck do you ever, like, oh, you know, I'm going to go and play shortstop, you know, just fucking try out for this week, you know, and, and I've been on the hot streak. So I'm try to get in it. And if I play and if I do good, then fuck it, they'll give me 50,000. They'll give me a hundred thousand dollars just for me playing this week. You know, to me, I find that so fucking intriguing and like so much of like a motivational thing. Like that when I play, I mean, to get there is like, it's it's so different like it's so different at that level like even like from where i'm at to like a scratch golfer like i played like four or five really really go 
good rounds in the low 70s. And my handicap moved like two points. It wasn't even like from four to three. It was like from four to 3.9, 3.8. So it's like, fuck, man. You got to like, like I said, I mean, it's it's the av- the average of your best 10 out of 20 scores, you know. And as you like enter your score every time you play, the old ones are dropping off. So it's also a consistency factor. So one of those good scores. Yeah, if it's already older. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's already gone, you know, if your last 20. So, yeah, so it's a consistency factor. So going, like, from where I'm at to scratch and from scratch to, like, a Division One golfer and then from, like, a Division One golfer to what it, the minor leagues would be, like, the Web.com Tour. And then from the Web.com Tour to the PGA Tour is a whole different level, you know. And then, like, even then you have, like, the European Tour, the Asian Tour, the Japan Tour. Like, you have these other uh, – the Canadian Tour, the Latin Amer- PGA Latin America, which are also, like, minor leagues of the PGA Tour. So if they win or they uh, do good for the year, they then get advanced to these next levels until they reach the PGA Tour and get their tour card for like a year or two or whatever it is. But the fact that you can go and if you have a good round and you are a legitimately good player, go and so you do a pre-qualification, pre-qualifier, which uh, was done, there's a lot of them locally. One of them I think was like Los Serranos and Chino Hills. So if you ever play that, the south course there is the one that they play. So it's, then it makes it more interesting when you go and play those courses. When you have like somewhat of a of a talent for it, you're like, okay, well, fuck, if I ever play this, you know, I should kind of pay attention more to what I'm doing and how, I, I'm, how I'm going to play these holes and, and whatnot and kind of like really work yourself around and like, oh, like, how did this putt break? You know, because if my brother was here, uh, he would tell you like my golf memory is like, crazy like i remember shots which i I find fucking crazy too because i remember shots that i hit like when i just started i remember specific shots that i hit like on certain golf courses and on like certain times and it's like ingrained in your head but i mean at the same time you also have those bad shots like i said you step up on a certain hole like i did during the tournament thinking like fuck man like i always go left you know because left is out of bounds and as a lefty in this hole i'm looking at out of bounds to where a righty out of bounds is behind you. You know, so you're not really thinking about that side. You know, your miss is more than likely going to be away from you in the open where you still have a shot. But, yeah, man, um, I lost I lost my train of thought. On. No, no, just the whole tournament. <laughs> and, I mean, I could hear you. I could just keep going with whatever. What, what, what sounds good to you? Like, but, yeah, so uh, let's get back real quick. So now tournament-wise. So last year I had my eyes on a couple tournaments which are coming up. In oh shit, we're in April, so it's a little too late already. Which I already kind of knew because I hadn't been playing like kid stuff and like uh, work. I just didn't have the chance to really like practice, so I wasn't like I wasn't really focused on you know getting ready for the tournaments. But I mean, I, there's a few throughout the year, so I mean, I just have to go back onto like the SCGA website and check it out. Um, but yeah, the SCGA has like some of the Southern California ones. Uh, then they have uh, also like the USGA, which is like the the United States Amateur or uh, the Mid Am. The Mid Amateur would be like the next level. You're not as good as the amateurs because those are like pretty much the people winning that. Like the guy that won it, or the two guys. Uh, one was out of uh, uh, Oklahoma State University. And he won. Those were na- they were national champions that year before. 
So he's coming out of a team that's hot, Division One, and you know they win this this big ass tournament, the biggest tournament in collegiate golf, and then you know you're playing against those players. Yeah, right. Like you're kidding me. Like you, we're not ready for that. The other guy that was runner up was a guy from UCLA. So now these guys are in the Masters because they went runner up. So that's another interesting part of a tournament is like you get invited to like certain like prestigious stuff like the Masters like wow you know like and within the amateurs there's a tournament low amateur you know and you get a trophy or whatever you know for for doing that but so yeah so i just need to check to like yeah, yeah yeah so i mean i just need to check when tournaments are and then like give myself the time to prepare and then and then go for it but i want to just keep consistently doing it, even though even though i don't feel like i'm gonna win because I know the level that other people are. I'm just going to go and try to do my best and see where, like, I level up and just try to, you know, see where my game is relative to, like, people that are, like, really into it. So, yeah, so that, that that's that. Um, then also going back and trying to, at some point, if I can get my handicap low enough, then trying to qualify for some of the open tournaments. So the thing that sucks is they recently changed the one that was here in L.A., which is the Genesis Open, which is... Uh, Tiger, the Tiger Woods Foundation kind of took over part sponsorship of the tournament. And now they changed that tournament from an open tournament to an invitational. Mm. That's recognizing what Tiger Woods has done throughout the years in his career. So now for people around this area, or I mean people from all over the place would come, go and do like the open, qualif- the open qualifiers to try to get into the tournament. So now there's one tournament less. But I mean, it's for a good cause. I mean, he's done a lot for the sport. So now it's kind of becoming his tournament, his invitational. So he's going to invite uh, the players that he wants. The purse is going to be a lot bigger, a lot more money on the table for these players because they're going to be a lot more better players instead of some of the people on the PGA Tour that might not be ranked top 50 in the world. You know, you might get a couple that are ranked like 110, 120. You know, and that makes a difference because, like I said, like I went into that other tournament seeing like, ah, well, the guys that are like 15 handicaps, they don't got shit on me. And I'm sure that's the way like the 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 pros do it. The too. pros do it, too. You know, if they're in the top 10, it's like, I'm not worried about Mr. 110. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, he could have a good day and you could have a bad day. You know, it just depends on who's hot on what week. But if it's only top 50 there, then it's both like, oh, fuck. Can't yeah. Really. So right now, the one that's like more available would be like the. The Farmers Insurance Open, which is at Torrey Pines, so that's realistically the only one in this area now that's like a professional tournament that you can go and qualify for. But I mean, there's people qualifying all over the area, and like I follow one guy on Instagram that uh, he's always going and doing these tournaments. Like he works in the cart barn at a golf course in Arizona, uh, and he's a decent golfer. You know, he's doing that. He came, I don't know what, I forgot what uh, what state he was from, but he went to Arizona to go work the cart barn so that he can basically get free golf, you know, free golf, free range ball. So in a way, you get to practice while making money and kind of doing what you do. He's probably getting more money doing, like, the all the media stuff, that he, social media stuff and, like, um, kind of motivator-type person in the industry, influencer. Um but I, I follow him because it's interesting. Like, it's something that I would like to do, you know. So it's interesting to see that. And, I mean, it's funny because, like, sometimes, like, uh, the last time he was here was kind of interesting. 
But, like, you see him on travels, and you start thinking, like, fuck, like, he's coming from Arizona, so all the gas, all the time he's taking off of work. You know, obviously, he's saved up for it, and, you know, then he comes and he plays his pre-qualifier. And, I mean, from the times that I was following him, and he came, like, I think, like, three years, I think he passed the qualifier, or the pre-qualifier. Then you get into the qualifier, and if you get, like, top three in the qualifier, then you're in the tournament. So if you're in the tournament and you make a decent score the first two days and you make the cut because that's when they, you know, basically uh, get the, the meat of the of the tournament. The people that are doing good and the people that are doing bad, they're out. But if you can just get into that, you're automatically making like $30,000. You know, that's, that's... That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of money, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting, like, seeing somebody like that that, you know... Do I feel like I'll take that path? I mean, I mean, I hope at some point I can get that good, but that's 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 hard. It's not easy. Like taking all that time, all that money, all that risk to maybe do it, you know. And he came last time, and it was just like the this was in like early early in this year, which was rainy rainy here, you know. And out of all the times, like he's coming to Arizona. It's not fucking rainy in Arizona. Yeah. And he's coming here, and all the other years, it had been dry. All of a sudden, it's fucking pouring. He plays his tournament, pouring. And he he got it. He passed the prequal, which I was like, damn, you know? Like, you're coming to a place where you probably never see rain much. And if you do, you're totally not used to it. It's like, it's a totally different game. It's like you're trying to keep your your grips dry, your... Your hands dry. I mean, because just the moisture in the air keeps your hands soaked and not not wet your gloves. And, like, it's just – it's so detailed. And especially, like, if you're the only one out there and you're walking, you know, you don't have a cart to cover all your stuff or whatever it be. If you do, even then, I mean, the, the you know, the rain's still going to hit it. But, I mean, it, it he ended up doing that. The next day rained out because it continued raining and it was a heavy rain. I mean, it was heavy rain when he played. And uh, so then they canceled it, and they Damn. they moved it. So now he was here. He had his hotel, all that, and now he has to miss another two days because they then said, okay, well they're still qualifying at this other course in I think it's Poway, North San Diego. So now he had to go and drive over there, wait like a day or two, and then play this golf course in Poway, which he had never ever seen. Every year he was coming here to Industry Hills to do the qualifier. So he was somewhat familiar with the course because he had played it every single year coming to this qualifier. So now all of a sudden he's going to a qualifier. He's never been to. Yeah, he's never been to. Actually, I think I got the story wrong. They canceled the prequel and then he had to go there. Mm. So, yeah. So then he ended up in heavy rain over there in a golf course he's never played. And he passed the the prequal. Then he played the qualifier, and he was out by like two or three shots. But I don't know. It's just interesting. And then like, it's cool, kind of cool, because then you see a lot of people like supporting him. Like another guy that's with him, like on the on the fall on the his social media page, um, which is just a coworker. You know, like once he's seen that, like these are people that like I don't know him. But in my head, I'm thinking like, man, if that was me and I was traveling and all of a sudden all these fucking disruptions happen, it's like, how do you stay in it? Yeah, obstacles. You know, you already drove all the way over here, you know, specifically for that. You're taking time off of work and all that. So anyway, so he had to go all the way over there and book a hotel. His coworker paid for his hotel. 
Nice. So it's like, man, that's tight. You know, I gave him, I didn't have much. I gave him like 15 bucks. I told him, go get yourself some dinner. You know, dinner's on me. You know, so I mean, I don't fucking know him. Yeah, yeah. But, but still. just knowing like in my shoes, like, fuck, man, like, I would how, like, how I would like that? to do that. How did you send the money? Like Venmo? Through? Okay. Like he put it up like saying like, oh, you know, like somebody asked me for it. Uh, if you do want to help, you know, I'm, you're not obligated to help. But, you know, anything helps, and I'm appreciative. So I was like, yeah, you know, fucking, I'll, I'll shoot him 10, 15 bucks. That, that sense of community, man. Like, I, I bet, you know, he probably got a, not just you, but a, a few people. And I'm sure he's like, wow, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah this I is, bet. I mean, is, and I mean, this is worth it. And you see him kicking ass. I mean, like I said, like, he went to this other tournament and, like, never seen the tournament. It's fucking pouring. And he, he qualified, uh, he passed that pre qualifier. It's like respect, you know, in a way. It's like, man, I wish I could do that, you know. And you're just so happens like with all all the situation that happened. It's like you don't have the chance to like pull money out of your ass, you know, that you weren't saving for. But at the same time, it's like you're already out here. You got to shell it out and deal with it when you get back or whatever it is. But yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, nowadays, like social media wise, I think golf is taking a different ground and a different look. Like once you start getting a little more. Into like the the community. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, you have a lot more like independent influencers or like characters in a way, different personalities. Like, there's one guy that was never into golf, and all of a sudden he got the golf bug playing with his brother, and like he sees the game a different way. It's more like playing for fun than playing for score, and. His name's Eric Andrews Lang. I mean, that's a good one for people that don't even or have maybe thought about it or somewhat like they're kind of kind of scared of, of playing like because I'm going to suck. I don't have anybody to go with or I do, but I'm embarrassed. So like his stories and his like <clears throat> just the way he puts stuff is like super interesting. It's tight. And I think like one of the things I don't know if he said it or if you re- I've read it somewhere or something, but it's like you're the most the most important person at a golf course is the new person. You know what I mean? Because it's about growing the game to a certain point. Like I've enjoyed so much of the game and I mean, I find it fun and interesting just in like the competitive aspect of it. But like, I think there's a lot of stuff within it that like you can just grasp like from life. Like like, there's no need to get mad at a bad situation. You just deal with it and, Play it as it lies. It took me years to realize that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's like, yeah, I want to be in the middle of the fairway, but, you know, but I don't have money for the bills, you know, so, I mean, what do I do from here? You know, then you just, you know, hit your shot out of the fairway and make a par by making rent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Golf's like life, you know, you get, you get, uh, what do you say, bad bounces from good shots and good bounces from bad shots. You know, things you're not supposed to do, but you come out on the positive, you never get busted, made a little bit of money, or whatever it is, whatever, you know, whether it's a positive or, or negative uh, risk or, or just thing that happened. I mean, yeah. it's, it's interesting. I mean, this I don't is, know. This was a good idea. I uh, When I asked you, I was like, dude, I've been saying, one of those things where I was like, dude, I'm going to go golfing, or I'm going to at least go to the driving range. Now that I'm out there, I'm like, dude, there's no golf course out there. Like, not to, like you said, I'm going to go by myself. Like, I'm just going to do it. And, then, you know, we were supposed to do this last night, right? We ran a little late, so we said, let's reschedule. I was like, on the drive home, you know, 
I was listening to the one I did record yesterday, but at the same time, I was kind of thinking like, I hope when we talk, he gives me that push to finally do it, you know, because I've, I've golfed before, dude. I used to go to the driving range by myself. And I was like, I hope, you know, I come out of it like, damn, dude. And I feel it right now. Like right now, I'm like, dude, let's go hit some it, golf balls. It, but it's, I, it's fun, man. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's addicting in the sense, like, other stuff, like, I've, I've done it. And, like, a guitar, I can go back to a guitar, uh, look up some music, play it you know, learn it or just like just old songs, muscle memory that I can go back and play Metallica songs that I first learned, you know, with people in high school or in, or in uh, middle school that, you know, I used to hang out with like the same fucking songs that we used to jam out together thinking we're the best fucking guitarist ever. Not really. I mean, I knew I wasn't that good. I was, I was okay. I was able to play songs and stuff, but in, by no means was I like a fucking scratch guitarist, you know? It's probably like a 10 handicap guitarist. You know, it's good enough to, to like play something and enjoy it. And, uh, but golf, it's just so different. Like it's the constant improvement, the constant, it's humbling. You know, you can be doing really good. All of a sudden you have shitty round and it's like, ah, motherfucker, you didn't get me. Yeah. You thought you were that good, huh? It's like, nope. And then you hit slumps like that. I mean, this beginning this year, I mean, I started the year with like a couple shitty rounds and then. There's been a few like in between and I play my buddy and it's funny because I've done good playing with him because I played with him a lot a lot and throughout the years I used to go to I used to work with him and every Thursday we'd go play. You know, Thursday afternoon coming from Orange County, there's a few good golf courses coming coming home that are on your way. We're leaving at one thirty. You can probably fit in around like if the time if the daylight permits. And we'd play really, really good golf courses for cheap. The golf twilight, courses that, right? yeah, twilight on a weekday, you know, versus like a busy Saturday, you know, where it's like premium hours and stuff and they're charging you full price. For example, like Black Gold or uh, Black Gold, Coyote Hill, Black Gold in Yorba Linda, Coyote Hills in Fullerton or in Industry Hills in the City of Industry. Those are all golf courses that in the weekend you're paying anywhere from 90 to $110 in the morning you know but if we're playing in the afternoon starting at 2 or 2 30 we're paying 40 bucks at one of the golf courses i think it was coyote hills they had a deal where it was like 40 bucks 18 holes free range balls uh two snacks from the shop a beer and lunch damn and their fucking lunch was legit like if you went with like a french dip you're paying like an extra like dollar dollar fifty but i mean we're not there to eat prime yeah, rib yeah, and shit yeah. you know you're just trying to grab yourself a sandwich or something but, I mean, it was a hell of a deal and a hell of a golf course. And that's, I mean, that's the benefits of, like, getting out early and, and going to play, you know. And at that point, we would rather just play during the week. You know, why are we going to pay, you know, play during the weekend but then have a shitty, like, place to play? Which, I mean, most most places are, are fun to play. There's not really, like, a bad track. I mean, there's some, but for the most part, I mean, it's just fun in general playing different places and, and checking them out, seeing what's what's different. Like, at the beginning, I think I tried to play all the different go- golf courses. Now I kind of just kind of stick to golf courses that, like, fit my eye. Like, I like the layout. I like the way, like, the holes make you think or there's elevation changes. You know, you're hitting down into a fairway. So now you're adjusting your, your distance to the elevation, the wind, you know, and you're like, okay, well, it's downhill, 
Distance-wise, I can't get to that bunker. But now that it's downhill, you know, the ball's actually going to fly another 20 yards. So now that bunker's in reach, what do I do? You know, do I play a three-wood? Do I still play aggressive and try to get on the fairway and maybe have a better shot? Um, but, yeah, like, that's the stuff that, you know, intrigues me and makes me, like, enjoy it more. It's like a, a thinking game more than just, like, oh, let me step up and hit. You know, because you go to the driving range, and I, I would say, like, the evolution is, like, you go to the driving range just to fuck around. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the driving range, like, oh, let me try to hit that flag. You know, then you start, like, learning that and learning distances, learning distances with each club. Because each club is different, and it's, like, degrees of loft, which is, like, the angle that it's, like, open, like, more to the sky or more closed, where it's, like, a, just standing straight up the face of the club. Uh, your driver being the straightest and the longest golf club, and then your like your wedge being the shortest and the most lofted, something that you hit like your short short shots, your short game shots or uh, sand shots. But learning all that and dialing it in, and then getting your consistency down a little bit more, and then now going to the range and thinking, all right, I'm going to hit a shot that's left to right. I'm going to hit a shot that's right to left. I'm going to hit a shot to imagine as if I'm behind a tree. Just a little punch shot. Something that I can, like, scoot really low, but get it to the right distance, kind of. And all that stuff pays off. Like, it's funny. Like, you go to the range, everybody's done it. If you've gone to the range, you see the guy come out with the cart to pick up balls, and you're just trying to fucking hit him. Oh, you're yeah. You're trying to get yeah, in his yeah, basket. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude. And, and that's fun because, like, sometimes, like, I'll see the guy. Now, here's where, like I said, it gets a little more technical because you see the guy driving. He's driving from left to right. So, now I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit a draw at this guy you know so a draw being a left to right shot in my case so it's going to basically be curving with how fast he's going i mean does it always come out exactly like that no but you know i'm trying to hit a shot that's going to be more likely to hit him than if one that i'm trying to hit right to left and meet at the perfect spot you know so then you start looking at like golf holes or like driving range holes and like play them differently some of them have like fake bunkers in there like say industry hills it's all cement so you're never going to get like an actual bounce of, of a green or like it's not going to fall into the bunker and stop because of sand because no, it's just colored. Colored, turf. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's not the same. But you can see like your distances and basically what you're seeing is like where you're landing. And like when you're playing and you're going to the range, like you understand what kind of shot is going to stop and what kind of shot is not. So it might be a short shot where, you know, okay, 60 yards, I can get it close, but this isn't a shot that's going to, stop exactly where it hits it's gonna stop and it's gonna land and and roll out five yards so now your target isn't let me get as close as i can to the hole but let me get it in line with the hole and bouncer you can tell yourself you know i want to miss on the right side because you're imagining like if you play and you see okay well i know where this hole's at because i played i know where the flag's at because i played this hole so many times and i know that this whole green goes left to right so i'm gonna miss left so as it rolls it rolls closer to the hole Instead of playing it straight, and now once you land, you play the perfect shot in your eyes, but then it starts rolling away from the hole. You know, so it's kind of just like factoring and stuff like that, or you know, just like when you're putting, you know, you're looking at the putt, you're looking at the curves, you're looking if it's a downhill, is it an uphill? But yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting game. I mean, everything everything is its own game, and that's like the one thing that like amateurs don't see. Sometimes they think like, oh, I'm just gonna hit my driver. And it's fun to hit your driver. You get good at your driver, but then after you drive, now the next what four or five do? shots are frustrating. Yeah. 
you know, but it's all, it's all learning process. I mean, with anything you learn, you know, no matter what it is, I mean, you're always going to have your, like, if you really care, you make it into a game. You know, if you're at work and you really care about your work, well, maybe you're going to see like, how many hours can I save? You know, how many, how many orders can I put out? You know, how many, uh, I don't know. And if you are getting fast, well, now how many fast orders can I do at top quality? You know, instead of just being fast to like kill the time or to kill like the orders that are that are in front of you. So, I mean, it's just a constant improvement just in general. And I mean, just that process itself is just is fun like none other. I mean, with anything, whether it's golf, whether it's uh, education, whether it's just personal development. I think just like learning stuff in general is fun because I don't know that not having a hobby I would imagine is is boring. You know I've always kind of like skipped around hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby, and I kind of know a little bit and a lot of different stuff. And I don't know I found it fun. Like there's a couple things that like I kind of stick to, and golf has been golf has been one. Golf and art to a certain extent. Now I do art more for for work than it is. Uh, like for fun like in college man me and my buddy were like 100% into the arts like we would how so what do you mean uh, well we went to school for it not everybody that's going to school for it is like going to take all their art classes serious because sometimes that's not what they want you know they don't want to be a painter they don't want they want to be an animator but they need to take a painting class Mm. you know stuff like that but like me and my buddy like we're fucking studying like fucking Da Vinci and like Albert Albrecht Durer and um, the Picassos, you know, depending on what style you're going for and just trying to like master and get good at a bunch of different styles and a bunch of different stuff and like portraiture and uh, we did some murals. We did, I don't know if you remember a a painting being right here on the corner by the laundromat. Mm, It was a big fucking painting right there where, remember uh, Jose Perez? His dad had a mechanic shop right here on the corner, uh, Durfee and, and Parkway. Durfee and Magnolia. Uh-uh. The laundromat right in back, that uh, big wall. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right there we did a, a mural of like uh, Diego Rivera, um, Frida Kahlo, and then it had a, like a soldier. So it was to represent like the bicentennial of like the Mexican independence. And then we did like some flowers and the name of the of the place because uh one of our buddies uh he got the spot because he knew jose he was like oh let's do this graffiti style you know at the time i was doing i had done graffiti and i mean fuck man that's a fucking wormhole in itself but anyways that's that's fun but anyway so he got in it and he he had brought it up to me like hey let's do this you know we got connected with a couple other friends that also did graffiti and we're like yeah you know what let's 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 go and do it and so his idea was like in LA, you go drive down the Cajones or you drive down like the Arts District, and or Melrose, and you see, you know, these pieces that are like impressive. You know, it's like the major leagues of like graffiti, and so his imagination was like, let's do that here. And what I knew was, our city doesn't accept that. You know, at, at least at the moment, like they weren't. It was like a zero tolerance. You know, to where like East LA, like you go to East LA and you see a bunch of shops that are all tagged up and um, 
alleys that are all written on and then they just let it be you know because it's okay you know part of the culture part of the culture yeah and i mean that's where you see the most murals you know my buddy that i went to uh college with like he's always doing murals and, and doing stuff like that um but yeah like i knew here wasn't what was accepted you know and i knew the second you do that it was just gonna get buffed you know and they weren't gonna be for it so we kind of i forgot what we did the first time we did something kind of generic and it was still tight and artsy but it wasn't like graffiti to where like it was to where it being something that like the city would see and be like oh paint that paint that back right away you know so we i you know i brought the idea you know let's let's make something with meaning you know let's let's fucking paint a mural that was the first mural actually that wasn't the first mural that was the first mural that i did that was like like just a group of us let's do it you know collaboration yeah because i had done some with like classes and stuff where we did like uh, memorial murals for certain companies and stuff like that that were through like the college and like having big parts in like the the layouts and the composition of like the the paintings themselves but i mean this is different it's like pride you know this is it's down the street from my house you know this is my city you know i have always said like this the people in the city are are good it's just kind of the environment that sometimes knocks it but i mean i love the city you know it might not be the best at all times but i mean it's it's what i'm used to and i'm familiar with it you know the memories of going to certain stores, certain markets, little carnicerias, you know? And just like the feeling that you had back then, it's just nostalgic. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I've always liked the city. I love it. I'm, I'm trying to move back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little too far right now, but I mean, <laughs> I'm out here every day, to be honest. Yeah. I'm out here every day. It's my city. Yeah, so that, I mean, that that mural ran for, that's why I was kind of like, oh, wow, you didn't see it because it had been there for That's odd. three or well, four I mean, years. After high school, I rarely came this way, you know, so where, you said by the laundromat, I always go left or right, you know, right there by the, yeah, the, right on the corner. I, you know I San Isidro? The market right there on the corner. I've never been there. I've seen it. I mean, I lived down the street as well, you know, for yeah. 27 years. So that years. parking lot, that back wall, the mechanic shop, that was it was there for about three or four years. And then I think a new owner took over the mechanic shop and they just painted over it. And then now recently they remodeled the laundromat itself. I but, saw that. I drove by and it was like the windows were broken. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, it, it lasted a while and like, Driving by it every day was fucking was was so cool. Like Surreal, I mean, just I a, a sense, yeah, a sense of pride, like a sense of pride for your city, for you know, for the people around you. And I remember it was funny because like I painted a bunch of roses and the roses came out cool, but like a lot of people from the neighborhood were coming around and seeing it, like, hey man, that, those are some nice flowers, you know. And I mean, of course, yeah. you, you know why. For and the it, listeners that don't, El Monte yeah. Flores, you know, so that's that's what Domani's known for, El Monte is known for, so you know, yeah, it's I mean it's the local gang, um, but I mean, they were like they seen what we were doing, you know, like it wasn't just us tagging up the city to just get our name up on a wall, it was us putting something that looked nice. Like my buddy, he did all the portraits, and he's a hell of a like portrait painter. 
especially when it came to like doing something but like i could paint portraits and i can do all that stuff but at a different scale like when you go that big like my sense of uh proportion you know painting something up close and having to step back like i don't know i'm i'm now i'm interested you got the different eyes not right now but i mean did you send me a picture like i'm sure you have of the painting somewhere. yeah yeah i have to look for it no no i mean that's why not right now just me and in, my in. buddy were looking for it recently i think he said he might have found it but whenever you do just you know or yeah, if you do I, I don't think i i have one i need to i need to look for it i know i had taken some and then the camera that i used i think got lost or something but there was a couple pictures like going around on the internet uh that i think like somebody just took and put it up and like what was cool is they seen it and they recognized what it was like celebrating the bicentennial of mexico or whatever you know and it was kind of cool to see because it was like we didn't say this is this we knew it was because that was our plan you know around that idea but then to see somebody like pick it up and like oh yeah you know it's like you know you're the author seeing the reader get the point you know it's like they might not get the point you know they might see it their own way but like just seeing like okay cool this guy got it represented it and he said like this is this now other people that see that you know that article are gonna see like oh that's what that is that's what that painting is that represents this and that so yeah i mean that was that was cool that was fun but yeah man like art now like i don't i don't do it so much i do it like more in like graphic design and like screen printing and, and stuff like that but I mean, even like graphic design nowadays has probably been my biggest outlet to where before was like just hands-on painting, freehand, like sketching and uh, color pencil, pencil. I mean, I even got into tattoos for a little bit. Um, somewhere along the path, I don't know where my tattoo <laughs> equipment ended up, um, but I had like two tattoo needles. I mean, I didn't do very many. I maybe did like 10 to 15 tattoos and most of them were free i think i maybe did like one or two that i charged for but very not really much i had a buddy that went to the army that i did like his whole arm and like calligraphy kind of with the cross and i mean it came out i messed up maybe like in two little spots that you may not notice you may notice if you've got the eye for it but i mean it looked legit it looked cool i mean i i enjoyed doing it and but it was just never something that I really like caught passion for. I thought it was something that I would, but I it just didn't go down. The- yeah, it just didn't. I mean, like I said, like no, I have, I've, had, I've had a lot of hobbies where like I just like jump around. I mean, most people that really know me would say that like my ability to learn stuff and kind of like do stuff like I'm a quick learner. And like I've even said that a lot like in interviews, but of course, like i'm sure they fucking hear that from everybody you know but like one thing like when i do go to an interview like i stress them you know my one of my benefits is uh being a quick learner you know and i'm sure you hear that all the time but you know i'm a quick learner like i guarantee you like you can teach me some stuff and i'll i'll grasp it pretty quick and i'll try to grasp it to the point where i can teach it you know because if you can teach something it's where you learn the most you know because you might think something in your head and then you put it out you're like wait no that doesn't make sense. Then you go back and then you correct the process and then you find out, oh, okay, this is the fundamentals and this is how you do it, you know. But, yeah, like my overall goal at the beginning of like starting my career was to like get a master's degree in art and then teach art like at a college or university or a private school. 
that it didn't go that way. I was doing that, and then I got a job in manufacturing, and the rest is history. <laughs> well, you could always go back, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I want to do it. I mean, there's not very much more that I need to do to to start getting degrees and certificates. So I'm like, fuck it, might as well. I mean, I'm already there. I mean, I think I need, like, three classes. Um, but I don't know. Like, I've got the skill set already, so doing what I'm doing, I'm not really, like, looking at like oh i absolutely have to finish but i don't believe finishing is going to get me any more than i have now you know right at this point it's more of the grind than anything like i'm not striving to be a a teacher anymore but i still like to like yeah it'd be cool but it's not it's not a passion no then you don't have to i mean yeah yeah yeah. exactly so like before like like i said like me and my buddy like we'd which was where we separate ourselves from the pack was we would get together we would study, we would go to museums, me and him, and go sketch at the museum, you know, sketch the paintings, sketch the the statues, sketch whatever, the sculptures. Uh, just go out to the park and draw a landscape, try to paint a landscape. Like, we would, like, just go out and just do it, you know. And a lot of people weren't willing to do that, you know, just like with anything. Like, to get better, you got to do the things that people aren't willing to do. So, I mean, we went into that class and basically any, like, our class at that point, I mean, we're just fucking dominating. And it was kind of cool to see because, but I mean, it's different. Like You put in the work. You put in the work, yeah. So that, that that's like going with anything. Like, say, like with golf, I can't say, oh, I'm a better golfer than you. That's obvious, you know, but at the same time, like, you don't put in the time that I put in. So I don't expect you to be better. Like, you know, and that's where, like, the whole net, you know, adjustment kind of comes in and makes it more handicapped. But, you know, like, going back those classes like we would stand out right away because like this was more of a passion than just like a a career path you know like we're more about like like the career path is going to come is was kind of i guess the thinking in a way like if i've got the passion and I've, i learn you know like the career path is just going to be you know school's just going to be in the way and then finish you know but yeah, man, we did a couple, like, galleries, like, within the school, some that were outside of the school, and, I don't know, we kind of got stuck on that, and, like, me and him were, like, painting signs at random, like, uh, shops. Nice. And little murals, like, that way, and just, like, on the ground, like, we were, I was working part-time, but then just kind of doing art. So, you know, you go into classes with the experience of going out, doing, like, your own murals, going out, and, like, Doing, doing it outside doing, the classroom. Doing art for money and then like studying like some of the, like trying to replicate like some of the like master drawings and like, I mean, it just takes you to a, such a different level than, you know, than the other people. So, I mean, then I would, go, I got a scholarship to like art center and I went into those classes and I was tearing it up. That was when I, I was like three or four classes into the scholarship or three or four scholarships into it. When then I got a new job and it was like everything changed from there, and now it's kind of like going back to like what do I really want to do. Yeah, you know, and like that's where like I think last time on my brother's podcast was, you know, the last thing leaving is like, what do you want to do? Are you happy? You know, do something that you're happy with. You know, like there's means of getting money. You know, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, what conforms to society. You know, like. There's ways to get it, you know, especially, like, if you're passionate about what you do, like, like you said, like, your topics and your stuff and seeing, like, how other people like it. Well, I mean, people are going to like it because 
it's what you're doing. You know, it's not so much worrying about like, oh, what are they going to listen to? It's like, no, what do I find interesting? Because what you find interesting is what other people are going to find interesting. Then they're going to find it interesting because they know that it's something that they know that you're going to produce good content because what you're into is, you know, appealing to them. But I don't know. So that's kind of been where I'm at right now. It's kind of trying to find, I guess, career wise, like where, where I fit, like what am, what am I going to do? You know, it's not just money. Like what, how am I going to go to work, be happy, come home and, you know, something that you enjoy doing and like the money is just an extra. It's like a bonus, you know, yeah. almost. Like- yeah. I mean, of course, of course you want to get a house and you want to get all the stuff for your, for your family to settle. But like my brother was saying earlier, you know, I don't know if that part was recorded, but no, he- uh, it was just like materialistic stuff is just material. You know, it's just there, you know, it's about the relationships that you have, you know, and sometimes, I mean, of course you take sacrifices to get to what you would say, consider like the minimum of what, you know, what's required, you know, house, you know, uh, bills, food, you know, you, you do what's, what's required, but I don't know. It's like, like he was saying, it's always about like relationships and like experiences. Yeah. And I mean, ma- mainly relationships with the people that, you know, that, that you care about, that you love, that, you know, you want to spend time with, you know, and that's where like kind of doing something different would, you know, fall along the lines of that because not always how much money are you making but how much time do you have you know at the same the same token so it's not only being like is that like oh i want to work on my own to be wealthy in money i want to work on my own to maybe it's to be wealthy in time you know have you ever seen the movie oh fuck this is good do you have you ever seen the movie just in time I think it's called Just in Time. Oh, wait. It's with with Justin Timberlake. Timberlake? That's Uh, fucking good. In In Time. time. If you haven't seen that movie, oh, dude, that's good. Spoiler alert, because we're going to ruin it. It's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah, it's good. It's basically about time. So time is literally money. Currency. Yeah. So if you're you're working, you're, you're getting what's given to you. So say if you're, if we're here in El Monte. Time is only going to get us, or work is only going to get us so much time. So with your time, you work for time, and with your time, you buy stuff. So your time being your time alive. So if I work 40 hours, maybe I get an extra three weeks alive, you know. But now if I want food, I got to give up 10 minutes. You know, if I want a sandwich, I got to give up 10 minutes. If I want a car, I got to give up, you know. Maybe the two weeks, maybe a year of my life, which I mean, in a way, you know, that's kind of the way real life is, you know, like you're putting in the time, you're getting money and you're spending it. And at the same time, that time that you're wasting is literally the time that you're wasting doing whatever you're doing to make that money to get the car. I mean, to a certain extent, but yeah, so he finds a way to like get a lot of time. I don't know if you, I forgot, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But he ended up gaining a lot of time and started skipping into the next cities because now you can't get into the next city if you don't have enough time. So like you can go into the next city, but then if your time runs out because you've given everything up to try to move to the next step, then you die. You, as soon as your time runs out, you're dead and that's it. You're you're gone. So he finds a way to just keep gaining money. I, I wish I remembered. I don't How he got it? How he got it. That, that was that guy that was like super, super wealthy, right? He had so much time. And he was going to jump off a bridge or whatever. And I mean, but you don't, you're not going to die because you have all the time in the world. 
literally. Yeah, yeah. And so the guy's telling him, like, you know, I forget the specifics, but he tells him, like, I've been along for, like, X amount. Like, what? Like, and it's, like, something crazy. He goes, you know, like, I just want to die at this point. So, like, you could transfer money by, like, yeah, yeah, grabbing yeah, each yeah, other's yeah. time on their, kind of, like, on their forearm. And so he transfers all this money over. And so it shows up on the radar, you know, like, th- this abundance of money is now in this, like, ghetto, poor community. Like, something's going on. So, you know, it's a movie. So, you know, so the bad guys are looking for him, whatever. The cops are looking for him because they're like, you probably killed that guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Why would he give you that? Yeah, people would kill people to take their time so like, they can survive. So you see, like, homeless people dying, you know, because other people are taking advantage of them or, you know, killing them and taking their time. The church, you know, the church is giving time out. Like, it's, like, literally, like, there's a line to get, instead of food, like, people are standing in line for time. And, you know, sorry, folks, that's all we have this week, you know, and people haven't really been giving them. Much. So it's it's a nice concept, you know, if you look yeah, at it. Yeah, 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 Like, it's crazy because, you know, time is it, it's just It's just an inter- interesting, like, the way it's just put together and, like, the concepts behind it. But, yeah, then he ends up going and getting into, like, the elite level and meeting this chick that's, like, super rich. And, like, they think he's rich because he's in that elite section of life. And, yeah, so then they kind of figure him out, and he's kind of trying to get away, I think, and just basically not die or I don't know. But, yeah, it's a hell of a movie. Interesting, interesting movie. I mean, it's not like you're not going to learn life lessons. No, like, no, it's just you yeah, know, entertaining. It, yeah, it's it's super entertaining. It's super entertaining. That, that's one of the movies that I've always kind of thought about, and I actually haven't rewatched it since I watched it, I think, the one time, like, in theaters. It used to be on HBO, like every, you know, they do like the, I don't know, the loops. Like every yeah, three yeah, months, yeah. it's like a new movie, but it's not a new movie. So every time it's on, it's one of those movies. I'm like, oh, dude, this is kind of cool. I like this one. <laughs> and you just throw it on, even though you you already know after the second time, like, what's going to happen. I mean, after the first time, you know what's going to happen. But after the second time, it, like, there's no surprises. Like, there's nothing like, oh, I missed this the first time. It's And I still watch it. Like, I haven't seen it maybe like in maybe a year or two. But I, I, for sure, I watched it over like five or six times. Just yeah, I, I always thought the concept of it was pretty interesting. Cool to just think about it and then like kind of see the way they put it. And I mean, I, I thought it was done. I thought it was done well when I seen it. Like maybe now you look back and it's like, dude, that sucks. Maybe like, the maybe. way they put it together sucks. I haven't seen it like maybe. But a year I mean, or two, from but... what I remember, I mean, I got enough of it to like fuck bring it up again. Yeah, you know, that's and true. Like, think it was interesting enough. We just spent a few minutes on it. Yeah. So, I mean, Justin Timberlake. Shout out Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Shout out JT, avid golfer. <laughs> oh, he is, huh? Yeah. I'll say, um, anything else you want to add on? Anything you want to dive into? This has been fun. I know. The, I, I hope the listeners, like, if you haven't golfed, I think you did such a good way of presenting it. That's why I kind of, like, let you go. Because I was like, dude, I'm just going to ask stupid questions or I'm going to interrupt him. So, you know, I was intrigued, as you can tell. Like, we don't have any cameras in here, but... Uh, I was like all years, you know, and so I hope the listeners like if they haven't golfed, it's like, oh, let me try this shit out. Let me see what it's all about. Because yeah, and I would say like if you've gone to the range, go play. And yeah. if you haven't played, go to the range a little bit and then go play. Like even if you suck, like I remember I played Industry Hills and I was like barely starting, and I went into it knowing like okay, I know this is a better golf course in the area, and I know I suck, but I'm just like curious to see what this golf course looks like. And then I seen it, I was like, fuck, I want to get better. I want to play this course good. And now I've I've played it once or twice, like really, really good towards like so fulfilling, like to play like a good golf course or like a tough golf course. I mean, it's fucking hard, 
to where like some other courses here, like you go on the greens are flat. So you're not really like looking at what is how it's going to break. Like over there, if you're in the wrong spot, you're in a different level of the green. You know, there's absolutely no way that you can get an exit to the hole. You just like say you're going like way down downhill with a huge slope. I mean, you're just trying to let it like almost stop as it reaches the hill and just take let the momentum of the hill take the ball as far as it can or as short as it can, you know, and hopefully it's enough to get close to the hole. But sometimes, you know, you're at the mercy of, you know, where you end up at a, when you play a, a better golf course that has a lot of elevation changes and uh, just different movement on the greens and and all that. So, I mean, it's an interesting game. It's an interesting game from the beginning to, you know, all the different steps going into it and the excitement of buying clubs and you buy it, then it's like new again. Then it's like, oh, man, I want to go out and I want to hit this, hit the ball. I want to just go and see what this club feels like. And then you start hitting it good in the rain. It's like, man, I want to go and play. And then you go and play, and there the bug starts again. You know, you just get hooked on and on. But, I mean, one of the things, like I said about earlier, the guy, Eric Anders Lang, like if you're semi-interested and you want to see some, like, really interesting stuff, there's a show on YouTube called uh, Adventures in Golf. So this guy's a host, and it's um, he just kind of plays, like, random golf courses and, like, kind of like a vlog but they're funny. They're like he's an influencer in the industry, so it's like kind of seen it different. And he's not of a golf background, you know, just like myself in a way. It's just why I guess I kind of connected to it because I didn't grow up playing golf, and neither did he. But then something clicked, and now he's been playing for like ten years. Something clicked, and you know, and he just you know enjoyed it and and stuck with it and. He started working with the PGA Tour, but now like he's been doing all these other series to where now he's a valuable asset in the industry, you know. And just the passion for the passion for really growing the game is where he's like gone into. And he recently did one. So now one of my like bucket list for golf is like Scotland. Mm. You know, going to Scotland and playing. Like, when can you play? Uh, What's the first baseball field? Um, field of Dreams. The Field no. of Dreams, but uh, Pennsylvania. I want to say yeah. Williamsburg, Pennsylvania. Williamsport. Williamsport. Whatever Wait, it is. Well, yeah, yeah. But like, when do you get to play there? Like in like. I got ho- you saying. Hollowed grounds, yeah. you know, like like you can play the golf course that first started golf ever. Can you go to the fucking basketball court where fucking basketball was invented or where volleyball was invented or, you know, throwing a discus, the first discus court or whatever, you know, whatever the sport that you're into. Like, when can you go to the spot where, you know, it was invented hundreds and hundreds of years ago, you know, and so like St. Andrews is the the birthplace of golf. So that's kind of one of the interesting ones where it's like, fuck, man, I want to go like that's so bad. And like we used to have a, a whiskey club. So now, like, whiskey, Scotland, golf, Scotland, I mean, it's all, like, Scott, whiskey, and golf land, golf, golf are, like, embedded in in one another, you know? And so I, at some point, ten, f- five to ten years from now, my brother and I and my dad said he's in and try to go take a trip, go play some golf, go drink some whiskey at some of the distilleries and just have a good time. But that's one of the ones that's on the bucket list, and this guy did... This guy Eric Anders Lang, he on 
not on that show, but basically off of the shows and the stuff that he was doing, he got a deal to uh, go and basically showcase all the different golf courses in Scotland and like the local eats and things to do in the area, the history of the area. So now he has another one, I think it's called like the official unofficial guide to Scotland. And it's crazy. Like, cause I was, I had been following him. So like he had been like kind of not hyping it up, but just saying like, Oh, there's something in the works. Once it's all said and done, I'll let you know what it is and tell you what we're doing. So he played like the numbers is obviously is going to be wrong because I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like, say like 28 courses in like 20 days. Wow. So now you're playing multiple courses every single day and recording. And like, they had like drones and like they had a little camera crew within their plane and then they're doing like their vlog and then they're going to like the bar and showcasing like some of the bars and like the history at the bars, like who stayed there, like the prominent names in golf, the historic names in golf, the founders of golf, you know, and like just kind of going into the history and like, I haven't really gotten to see all of it. I've seen a few episodes, but like it's stuff like that, that like an intro into the game and seeing like the stuff that he's doing. Cause it's interesting. Like he goes to, he goes to India on one of them to play slum golf. And basically these Indians get rebar and they just like twist it into a golf club looking thing. And they hit a fucking a tennis ball around the, the slums of, of India. And so he plays against like one of the guys there. So that's kind of cool. There's another one where they play, uh, it's a uh, like street urban golf in Portland. What do you mean? So it's like a group of guys that like, say like you, me and my brother, said, hey, let's go, let's take our golf clubs and uh, we're going to have a tennis ball. And the hole, we're starting to hear, the hole is to hit uh, this electrical pole on, on peck. We have 10 shots. Oh, damn. Yeah. So then they're just going around. Like, say if you, it would be more uh, more like a downtown LA, you know, like an arts district where you're kind of like it's streets it's not a busy street. It's never like really busy. You can kind of walk in the middle of the street for a while and no cars are going to come by. So they're kind of playing in the middle and so they're just playing out urban golf. So like there's a lot of like funky little golf stuff that's like other than golf and like he'll go to like subcultures almost. Yeah, like he went to Nepal to go play over there like a random spot and he went to another place in I want to say it's like India still or a different part of India where this girl's coming up in this like random golf club in the random spot and she's good. And she's like coming up in the, in the sport. And then they play other places where it's like a, just literally like a a goat farm where they invented like just a game to play. And you have like these goats that caddy for you. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just like different stuff. And like, there was one where he played like in the, in the desert, and there's a place called the Devil's Golf Course. It's not really a golf course. They just call it the Devil's Golf Course because it's just a big field with, like, sharp rocks. Like, some of them are, like, razor-sharp rocks that are just, like, it's just, like, uh, miles of this stuff. So then he goes, he's like, I'm going to try to play, I'm going to play the Devil's Golf Course that no, obviously nobody's played because it's not a golf course. You know, it's just, like, a monument that's called Devil's Devil. Golf Course, you know. So he goes, he hits the shot, and he goes into it, and, like, he, like, walks deep into it to go and hit his second shot just for the fact of, like, I'm going to play, I'm going to semi-play golf, you know, because you you can hit it once, and, I mean, in a way, you can say, oh, I played, but to go and try to find your ball just like you would if you fell in the the rough or whatever, 
it's just it's just interesting funny and like he's he's outside of the box for sure especially when it comes into golf golf is like more of a conservative type of sport when you look at like the history of it but like you kind of see him and like the quirkiness or like the just the the outside of the box just like a friend in a way that you're listening to and it's like sometimes he'll say stuff it's just fucking funny like i remember like it's it's stupid that like this memory like holds but he was like drinking water and he's like oh man he's uh doctors say you're supposed to you're not you're supposed to drink water but you're not supposed to chug it he's like, ah but fuck it he's like, i'm still <laughs> gonna chug this water because i'm thirsty you know i don't care what they say like but it's just it's just stupid it's funny because it's like just him like with a mic, like, just kind of talking. Being himself. But, yeah, but it just makes, like, the overall sport interesting because, I mean, what he's doing is interesting and, like, all the different stuff that he's, like, getting into is is cool, you know? And, I mean, there's a lot of personalities like that, especially nowadays. A lot of personalities, a lot of, like, individual brands, a lot of, like, boutique-type uh, brands that are different than, like, some of the bigger brands or some uh, niche companies, you know, like, Say Nike used to make equipment and then they stopped. So now where do those people that work there for, you know, for so long, what do they do now? You know, in that instance, there was a group of guys that started a company called Artisan. You know, they made wedges, they made, they designed the irons and stuff for Nike when Nike was up. They bought the Nike factory, you know, and now they have their factory out of there and they're still doing stuff for professionals. But now it's specifically these guys that are making these things. And like now, like if I had the money, I can purchase stuff through them. And it's going to be exactly, exactly what, exactly fitted for me. You know, my height, my tendencies in a swing, you know, what I like in the turf interaction, like how the golf club goes into the ground and how it feels. You know, there's a lot more to just like a golf club off the shelf because not always does a golf club off the shelf fit your swing, you know, mm. and, and you know, the way you, you get it around the golf course, but there's companies like that. Other companies that are making like, uh, hand ground irons. And this guy is, uh, the, the brand's national custom, but this guy is just getting like these blank forgings. I mean, it's all high quality stuff and just grinding all day on a grinding wheel, you know, just, after after i mean and they're they're pricey but it's like such high quality that you don't get like anywhere else because it's made specifically for you specifically for your tendencies or what you want to see in a golf shot and these guys i mean they've worked with the best in the world so i mean i mean they've done stuff for legends like some of the greatest that have ever played like those guys from artisan like they did all of the tiger wood stuff so it's like, of course, these guys know their shit. So yeah. then if you were to go and you had the money to go and you know, buy one of theirs that's fitted for you, like, that's so cool. It's crazy to think about, you know? Like, yeah, like, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, like, I, I, and it's kind of cool. Like, it's one of the things that I've been wanting to do for the longest. Like, start, like, some kind of golf company. But it's something I like to do, you know? It's something that I don't think would be much of a hassle, you know? Whether it's, like, a lifestyle brand or, like, a, a certain golf product, you know, that that I find can solve an issue for a golfer, you know, and just getting my way into it would be kind of cool. I mean, I've got myself in other endeavors, but, um, I mean, just kind of always thinking about it is always kind of like, I want to do it, but then it's like, what do you do? You know, like, especially you, me liking so many different things and so many aspects of it. Like 
where do you start in a way like I don't know I guess just starting is is the point you make know? a list see what check it twice check it twice yeah. I'm not Santa but no make a list <laughs> see, see what 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 needs to be done or what can be improved you know as far as like you said maybe I don't know just off the top of my head hearing you talk make it not easier but simpler for you know a, a way to get into these pro-ams or these um, invitationals you know because it sounds like it's tough for those people trying to get there you know it's like maybe find a way to get that that's your foot in the door I'm sure that other people feel the same way you do yeah yeah I mean but the competition part like I, I wouldn't try to go into the industry in like a competition sense because that's that's hard that requires like full-on focus and like talent I mean, even putting in the time, like, there's just so many good players out there that you might not just get enough, you know, that's being more of the realist, which I'm usually, like, an optimist, but understanding where I'm at and understanding what's what's required, you know, it's like, fuck it. Just because you have aspirations to, at 29 years old, play in the MLB, yeah, you can aspire all you want, but there's, the you know, there's an 18-year-old that will whoop your ass all day is a foot taller than you and just fucking ripped and talented and a hard worker, you know, already. So it's like you need to, like, break the mold and then get into that and give a lot of stuff up. I mean, some of the stuff isn't realistic. I mean, it's fun because in a sense, like, you can get in it. And if you do good, you do good. If not, fuck it. You know, it's fun to, like, play at that level and then just constantly competing in these these uh, more, like, well-known tournaments is what would just be kind of cool. And at the same time, I'm sure, like, better myself in the mentality state of like a tournament that would be kind of cool you know i don't know there's a lot of things that i'd like to do especially in the golf industry that i think would genuinely make me happy overall go for it yeah go for david we did two hours and a half damn yeah <laughs> um this isn't a self-help podcast by any means i know you gave me a good one last what was it? Not too long ago. But um, some words of wisdom for the listener. I mean, this has been words of wisdom. Explore. Oh. Yeah, do something that you might think you don't want to do. Go take a hike. You know, you might enjoy the nature more than the thought of, like, I'm going to be dirty. I'm going to be tired. You know, it's a fucking inconvenience. You know, I might get, I might see a fucking snake. I might see a bear, which is probably not likely. But, I mean, you know, get away of the ideas of, like, the negative parts of it and try to enjoy the positives. Go take a walk. You know, go take a hike. Maybe you you like the nature much more than you, you know, than you thought. You know, maybe you're just too focused on on what might be instead of what's actual. You know, like, go out and explore. I mean, if it wasn't for my curiosity in playing or trying to go and play with, you know, people that I grew up with, I would have never gone into, you know, or if they wouldn't have tried, I would have never been, you know, open to the game because that's legitimately when I thought, hey, I want to try that out. Before that, it was not a thought. You know, and I see, I was like, man, these guys are going off and that looks fucking tight. It looks fun, you know, like it just looked cool, you know, and like knowing knowing you guys and knowing everybody's just good people and funny and like just good to be around with. I mean, it was like I would see it and be like, man, that. That'd be cool to go. And then when my brother got me into it, like I said, it was just it started from there. But like I said, I mean, go out and and try something, you know, because you don't know if 
you might like it or you don't know if you might inspire somebody else to do something that they become passionate with, you know. And you going out there and you guys posting it enough to like inspire me to go out and do it, you know, would definitely change my life, you know, in in a lot of different ways because the game itself like makes you think a lot more uh what do you call it? like analytical, you know, and having analytical thoughts and like considering stuff before making a decision, you know, I mean, just that phrase alone, like it can apply anywhere in life, you know, analyze what's going on and don't make a decision until you feel it's the right decision and go into it with confidence and, and just run with it, you know? So, I mean, food for thought is kind of that applied to really anything in, in life. Nice. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That's not written down either. Yeah, I know. This is off the top of the head. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See ya.